This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we've got a listener-sponsored review of the Coen Brothers cult classic, The Big Lebowski. I'm the dude, man. Plus, new trailer for Shazam! Fury of the Gods, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania opening weekend box office predictions, the MCU lands its first Oscar nomination for acting, The Last of Us on HBO Max, and the early votes are in for last week's sci-fi movie draft. All in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, January 30th, 2023. This is Jason Mewes, and for reasons best left between you and your therapist, you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, Snooch to the Nooch. Check. Check one. All right. This is Roy Fans out there. Let's give it up. Oh yeah, listener. What's up? How's it going? Welcome. Welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news reviews and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. And he's the Nerd. We'll peep you next time. We won't. We'll Uh, peep you right uh, now because... Shit. Anthony, sometimes there's a felty. There's a felty for a time and a place. We have one here. He loves to pee on his own rug. It's the rug dude. What's up, rugs? Yeah, you can call me your rug dudeness <laughs> or rug duderino if you're into brevity. Does he pee? Is he peeing you know, on himself when he does that? Yeah, that's what I like to do. You ever see that video of the orangutan who does that in the, in, oh, in the zoo? Shoots the pee like a water fountain in his mouth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just lets it fill up like, to his teeth. And then no, he's like, check this out, humans. And just sprays the glass. How do you explain that to your child? <laughs> if I could do oh that, I'd be like trending. It on is TikTok very impressive. Right <laughs> uh, the rug dude. I'll try. The rug <laughs> dude abides. Uh, all right. We got a great show planned. A lot of fun stuff to talk about, including that movie. Let's dive into it. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. You guys, I've been saying every week, James Gunn and Peter Safran are about to finally reveal what they're up to the following week. Uh, I'm going to say it yet again, (laughs) because this time, lots of confirmation. Uh, first of all, they promised that they would put out something by the end of this month, by the end of January. We are recording Monday, January 30th. There's one more day in January. He dropped some hints on Twitter and from comicbookmovie.com. They're saying from what we can gather, a press event is being held or already has tonight to give the major trades a heads up about what's coming tomorrow. So it is possible by the time you even hear this. Uh, there will be some some news out about what James Gunn is planning, what direction he is going to take DC Studios in. I'm excited for this announcement. Geek boner. Um, what do we think? Do we? I think we all kind of agree after talking about it, thinking about it, that he's going to start from scratch, reboot everything. Best thing he could do right now, right? It seems like that's what he wants to do. So I don't know. I mean, I. I did make that prediction or i did say that might yes, be the did. best move i don't know if he's gonna do that though hmm. 
I have to admit, I'm I a little, like, I mean, I, I, there is intrigue here, which right? is the first time I've had intrigue in a while for DC. If I could get into the psyche of James Gunn, um, I have a feeling that this is the moment where he's going to want to kind of etch his name into history, right? Oh, okay. Just like Kevin Feige is, even though his name is always pronounced wrong by every person, everybody Each- knows his wrongly pronounced name. Yeah. And I think James Gunn wants to be in that pantheon. He wants to be always mentioned in lockstep with DC. That's smart. That's what and you want. So the only way you can do that is to say, like, this is all mine. I built all of this. So th- that includes recasting everything, re you know, redoing uh, storylines, the universe, rebooting, starting from scratch. Now, before uh, they learned about this rumor for tomorrow, earlier before that, Batista. Dave Batista may have let it slip during an interview with Insider. They asked him because he has wanted to play Bane for a long time. Batista, well, that's wa- great casting. So that would be great casting. But from what he says, he might be confirming that Gunn and Saffron are going to start from scratch. He says, basically, he said he talked to James Gunn about it, and James Gunn said, "Sorry, buddy, you're too old." His quote is, I talked to James about it, the direction he's going, completely rebooting the entire universe. He's starting from scratch and making everything younger and fresher, and I think that's the ideal path. So he's not that old, but Gunn is saying he's too old, meaning does he have, like, this is a long plan for Bane, and they got to find a younger dude to get in this role. I would have loved to seen Batista as Bane. I think that would have been amazing. I've actually, like, turned around on him, like, He's impressed me in a bunch of different performances now. Yeah, I, I think Bane back or B- Batista back 10, 15 years ago would be a good Bane. I do agree. Mm, mm. I think he's still got the size, obviously, but the guy's in his 50s now. So Yeah, that's true. You know, you don't, I don't know when they plan to bring Bane in, but um, yeah, we don't need to be casting guys that old. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, and if you're if he's going to do a younger... Superman movie is probably one of the things he's going to announce or has announced by the time you hear this. Uh, I can see them, you know, Battinson is, they kind of made, made a, a got a younger Batman. So it would fall in line at that age. Ruggs, what do you think? But Batista as Bane, could he pull it off? He probably could. Yeah, sure. Why not? If you're doing it in the next few years. Yeah. If you're doing it 10 years from now, no, but um, yeah, he, at this very moment, he could do it. But um, the fact that James Gunn wants to go younger, uh, that's interesting because uh, most of the Marvel guys are like aging out or already aged out. They're already like, okay, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And they're all like you know, either approaching 50 or breaking the 50 mark. I think the youngest guy is like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, jeez. Um, yeah. So, um, it is. That's a different way of doing it. I don't know if I don't know if that alone is going to be enough to just make a distinction from Marvel. But uh, whatever, it's it, it is a it is something that's different. So a lot of this reminds me of when DC in the comics did the New Fifty Two when they started that reboot. Everybody was kind of younger, and uh, it was all like fresh origins at the start, moving forward. And for them to compete with Marvel, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to just burn it all down uh, and start over. 
I think. And what happened with the new 52? Yeah, that wasn't the greatest. That also got rebooted. That's like, that was already <laughs> three reboots ago. In fact. Yeah, that lasted maybe like three or four years. And then they were like, ah, fuck this. Yeah, not, uh, let's I, start yeah, it. Not up, even. Scrap it again. I don't even know if it lasted that long, probably. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to. I mean, I we have our inklings, but. Um, I really don't know what the right move is. I, I'm just curious what he what he's got in mind. I, I, well, I would I would take a page out of the comic book business. Uh huh. What usually happens, Imran, if when they do all this shit? What when they reboot stuff? Yeah. What usually? What's the what's the actually thing that actually the thing that actually works? Um. Go back to the beginning, the status quo, right? Oh yeah, you always they always end up going back to status quo and undoing the thing they tried to yeah. do. So I think that anything else is hubris. Okay. Right? And anybody who thinks that they could change the universe without anybody giving a shit or without it taking a step down in quality or losing something in the in the mix. And that you can make the argument you'll lose something to gain something, but I, I don't know. I just think I've never seen it work out in a way that was permanent, right? I mean, this is so. par for the course for DC, right? They've done this in their comic books multiple times, and it's so funny. They can't escape from this. They're doing this again in the movies. They had all these years and all these movies that amount to nothing. It's kind of crazy and uh, remarkable that they weren't able to make anything out of what they have since Man of Steel came out, and that's a lot of shit. Yeah. So look, we could know something by the time you hear this listener. Also, this could all be bullshit and he doesn't say anything. You'll know in the future, in the present. We don't know. In the present, however, we do have a new trailer for one of the four DC movies coming out this calendar year. The last four under the old whatever the fuck universe that's all going to get erased. Uh, Of course, I'm talking about Shazam, Fury of the Gods coming out March 17th. Put out a new trailer. Uh, with a little more serious tone, a little more story, more action. Anthony, what is yes. your what is your take on this thing, Geek Boner or Floppy Jock? Uh, I would say right in the middle. I, I don't have a ton of love for Shazam as far as the comics, so I don't really know who those villains are. Hispera and uh, Calypso or something? I don't know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so... That being said, I I thought the original Shazam was a sleeper hit. I really liked it. I really enjoyed that movie. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. I like this cast. I'm willing to give it a benefit of the doubt, this cast and this crew, because of that first Shazam. It does look fun. I mean, it looks, you know, CGI-y at it times, very, which, I not, yeah. I'm, which I'm noticing more after watching Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said... I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think it'll be a good movie. It, it, what's what's tapering my excitement is just the fact that I don't know, I don't know if what I'm watching is gonna is matters anymore, and that's kind of why I'm anticipating what Gunn is gonna say because all these movies that are gonna come out, even the ones that I would have a little bit more buzz for, I don't know if if I should be watching these with an eye on the future. Like I feel like these might just be one offs, and Gunn's gonna do his own thing. So kind of a mixed bag in terms of my how i feel about it yeah it's like watching like the second half of a season of tv when you know the show has already been canceled right, right? yeah, yeah, yeah like should i even kind of like doom patrol season four has been canceled i watched the first episode then i found out it got canceled now i'm like oh, i don't even i don't even know if i should watch the rest of this i love the show 
Uh, Rugs, what do you think of the trailer? They got the Drake song, which is uh, they all, no. They, I all, hate the Drake song in they there. They pick the most cliched. Songs. It's so stupid. I mean, the needle drops in Black Adam were so fucking cliche on the nose. It drove me bonkers. So started from the bottom. Now here, really, whatever. Yeah. Look, he's punching a dragon. The bottom of what? Yeah, the bottom of the fucking. So- Literally, a magician gave you powers. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And Drake never started from the bottom either. He started from the upper middle. Started like, the if bottom I read, if I read of the upper all. middle suburban class. Yes. Uh, look, there's monsters. Rugs, though, there's monsters in here. He punches a dragon. There's dragons. Anything in here uh, making you tingle. Look, uh, <laughs> I know that this movie doesn't count, but regardless, I think that it could be a, a fun watch. I wouldn't go to the theater to see it necessarily. Um, I'm going to make you. You're going to make me? I guess if I you make me, then I'll do it. But like, uh, <laughs> it should be, a. I would say it's going to be like a meh movie. It'll be, it won't be terrible. It won't be like, oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. It'll just be like, it's all right. You know, it's a good, I, yeah, I feel that too. And I'm with you. Anything else. I'm right in the middle of like geek boater and floppy jock. I'm like, eh, look, uh, I, I kind of care. Whatever. I'm not really too excited uh, the 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 monsters look fun. Uh, the trailer seemed like it was showing the whole movie to me, though. Yeah, it did seem like that. Right, it showed, so, like, they showed a first, second, and third act. Yeah, and I mean that punt, that dragon punch. How much you want to fucking bet that's from like the third act of the fucking movie? Like, I think they gave away a lot. I do they even gave away the Khaleesi joke that he made. Yes, and he does a Game of Thrones joke, which is like, which sure, is that? It's a little the Game of Thrones yeah, Khaleesi. It's a little few. It's a few years old, but okay. Uh, it still works. There's something about Zachary Levi though when he tries to be like tough and serious and mean. Like I kind of I don't buy it. I just I you like the nostril not- flares. Yes, or his nostrils flare way too much. I don't think you're supposed to buy it though. Yeah, but at some point he's got to be like you know at the end he's like yes let's do this badass he punches a dragon but like I still I don't know. He's well, it- I'm still I am intrigued. They give they did give away. I don't know if they gave away too much. They might have, but the part where his beings are separated and they have teenage. Uh, Shazam, Billy Bastion, yeah. and and adult Shazam, wondering how they got to that point. Um, oh, I didn't well, even yeah, notice I that agree. they've been separated. What part was yeah, that? They, there's a couple parts where you can see that they've been separated. Oh, there's like they're one one is behind the dome and the other one isn't. Yeah, there's that even those dome effects, the big dome over a city, which you, you know it reminds me of the Simpsons movie and some other things. That didn't look great, but it looks like these uh, uh, Calypso and uh, the other girl. What did I say her name was? Hespera come and they steal the kid's powers, and then he's got to give up his powers, and they're using their powers. I don't know. Well, that's the second, always the second movie, right? Yeah, in the, a lot the, of these superhero yes. films, the, the the hero loses their powers. It happens at some point. in Superman two. It happens in Spider Man two. It happens yeah. in a lot of sequels. Uh, you're absolutely right, which is which is weird. But I get I don't know. We're gonna watch it, we're gonna review it because it is comic book related, but like I'm barely excited. I'm like, whatever. It's good. Looks okay. Looks decent. Like even the some of the CGI uh doesn't look great, but it's fine. No, it didn't. When he, hits, mean, that were, bu- when he hits that bubble, it's so bad. Yeah. But yeah. I noticed it when they were in the ballpark and the stuff's tearing through the stadium oh, yeah, going yeah. that stadium is I mean, it looks just fake. The thing that could save it, like you said, the original movie was kind of a surprise. Yes, it was. The original movie was like an 80s film. Yes, it had that heart and that charm. It was fun. It was colorful. It was surprisingly a fun, entertaining time. 
So this one, they're in this trailer, trying to make it look darker, but if it could still nail that family, that kind of heartfelt John Hughes-ish kind of I thing. I still remember in the that eight, that 80s film, the, <laughs> the Shazam film, that moment where the kids all get the powers, and it should be super cheesy, and it isn't, I was like, that's super earned. And that that sold me on the... That, that was like one of those parts of the movie where I just had the good good feelings about everything, so... They did. They did make something out of nothing in that film. So. I will say that worked better. I was more invested in that than the way they did it in Thor: Love and Thunder with those kids. Oh yeah, yeah. Like while 100%. that was fun, I was I didn't feel it. That that other one, I was like, oh my god, this is great for the kids. Like I was just into it. Yep, I agree. Uh, anyways, listener, let us know what you think of this trailer. You can join the conversation. We have a fun Facebook group do called we- J- Jock and Nerd Nation. Jock and Nerd. Uh, link in the show description. It is closed, exclusive, just for you. You can vote on our sci-fi movie draft. The graphic is up there. We will get to that in News from the Nation. Hotly debate. Lots of controversy. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, but for now, moving on, uh, another Avatar Way of the Water box office update because this movie is fucking juggernaut. Uh, last we talked, it was the sixth biggest movie ever. It is now the fourth biggest movie ever. Uh, jumping over Star Wars Force Awakens current box office two point one one seven billion dollars. And and this is seven weeks. It has been the number one film for seven weeks straight. This is the first time that has happened since the original Avatar in two thousand nine. I was surprised to learn this. Mm. That no movie has held on to the number one uh spot in the box office for seven straight weeks. Uh, Cameron's Titanic, 15 weeks, holds the record. Mm. It is for number four, like I said, globally, uh, and can uh, soon probably will pass the Avengers for number 10 domestic. 620 million domestic, 2.117 billion worldwide. Could we get our first two and a half billion dollar movie? I mean, first, that'd be the first. This will be the first ever. Oh, no, there is. What is the highest avatar? Maybe I'm saying three billion. Avatar is like two point nine, two point nine billion billion. Oh, my God. It's almost three billion dollars already. from Avatar one. Yes, because it was re-released recently. That added to it. Avatar is at two point nine billion dollars. Will we ever see a three billion dollar movie is what I don't know. I mean, like it's topping the boss office for seven straight weeks. Yep. And then Cameron's lasted 15 weeks. Titanic did, yes. I don't it, think it's going to do that. I think it might beat Titanic lifetime. Because Titanic is 2.19. Yep. It's 2.117. Yep. I think it might beat Titanic. Got to keep in mind, though, Titanic was in 97, so inflation. Um, I think that's probably, it's going to end up past Titanic. So Titanic, I don't think it's going to catch Endgame. Yeah, or, Titanic or right now is at number three. Endgame, 2.7, almost 2.8 billion, and Avatar, 2.9. What's the competition coming out? Is there anything that's well, going to like knock it out? Int- yes. Interesting you asked that because there's nothing until Ant-Man. And when's that? In February. So well, they, very you know, soon. They did this February smart, 17th. Term, yeah. They did it smart with Avatar because that December... Yeah, release date. There's really no competition if you get past everything else. Things moved which, out of the way. Remember, Aquaman right. was supposed to open on the. A lot of movies were supposed to open around it, and they fucking bailed because they knew of the Cameron effect. And you know, the January never really has anything good. Right. So you're riding wow. this so wave. So you can ride it for yeah. a, a bit. Yeah. 
I mean, all of his big movies. I think Titanic came out in December. Yeah. The I, original Avatar came out yeah. in December. Uh, he, that is, Titanic was, let's see here. Was yep, that December. The, that was December. Yep. Yeah. Yep. De- December and Avatar. So he's no dummy. Like this man is making two billion dollars. Yeah, he's what got the recipe, Jesus, man. Left and right. Just put Zoe Saldana, James Cameron. You get two billion dollars. Way of the Water. <laughs> one of your favorite sequels of all time. Hey, it's uh, <laughs> it's on my list. It's on my team. You, by the way, it, I don't spoil it. Yet, but did you like literally tally the votes? I did. How did you count it? Good I enough, did man? a little bit. So wow. I got a loose tally, but it's an ongoing vote. We'll see what happens. Uh, He's got a loose tally. Loose tally. I got a loose tally. I'm well, going to hang in. Are you going to announce it today? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. We will, we will we'll talk okay. about it later in News from the Nation. Right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, where it is right now. See, this, this shows how much I looked at the notes prior. Loose tally. I need more fiber in my diet. It's okay. So <laughs> this yeah. movie doesn't have competition <laughs> until February 17th. And the competition is Air Man. So that's two weeks from now. Yes, right? two weeks from now. Air Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Uh, predictions. Already expecting it to take 120 million uh, because it has a four day President's Day opening uh, at 120. And I think, I feel like, look, Doctor Strange was crazy. It opened at like 187. I think I could open at 150. What are your predictions? I think it'll open well, a lot more than 120 if it's got the yeah, four day. I would say maybe like 160. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone is anticipating uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. You motherfucker. Uh, oh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let me just let me while you. I'm gonna try to pull up some stats. Oh, okay. Box office openings. So you said 160. He said 160. I said 150. They're saying 120. Four okay, days so yeah, opening. One. I I think I would lean closer to 120, and the reason for that. Let's just rank this. If it was at 150 to 160, it would be a top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It would be a top ten all all time opening for Marvel. Oh, Marvel really? Yeah. No, but so the uh, the original Ant Man did 57 million opening weekend. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp did 75 million. So top three openings for President's Day weekend: Deadpool at 152 million and Black Panther, which did an amazing 242 million. So I think it opens bigger than the Deadpool. Maybe. Yeah, I think it could. Maybe. I don't know. The, they're really riding on the fact that this is bigger than just Ant-Man. Because if you see yeah. all the marketing, we'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah. They keep really pushing new dynasty. Kang, like yeah. Kang. Like this is Ready something for important. Dynasty. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they've been putting out a couple spots. They put out a little 30-second trailer called Before uh, that has a, a couple of new action scenes, new dialogue from Kang. Uh, do you think they've gotten people uh, hyped enough for Kang? Like, I feel like more and more people are talking about Kang, just like all of a sudden Thanos was a thing, which is crazy. I'm like, I can't believe the general audience is just running around saying, talking about Thanos. I feel like Kang's hype is good. And then there's a moment in this trailer where Scott Lang just goes, Kang! It's almost like Khan uh, from Star Trek 2. He's just yelling Kang. It's great. I like that. Do more of that shit. Now, like, they just need Kang to have his pectoral muscles oiled up in, uh, and, and exposed. <laughs> just like in Wrath of Khan. I mean, he needs, like, a nice bouffant hairdo. Kang! Jonathan Major's got the body for that. How, how, how geeked are we for this now uh, as it gets closer? 
I'm excited to go to the theater for this more than Shazam Fury well, of the God. Yes, that's a given. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I take I echo Rug Boy's thoughts yeah. much more for this than Shazam. Simply because of the Kang thing, really. I Ant Man, I've said this before, is not my favorite character. I like him. I don't have anything against the character. But the first two Ant Mans are eh, they're okay. This one actually sounds like it's gonna be important. And Marvel's doing the thing they always do that always seems to trick me, and maybe they'll trick me again. But they're saying this is important, so I believe them, <laughs> and I'm willing yeah, to go in and biggest, be disappointed. That's my biggest pet that's peeve what they about, said this about that. Doctor Strange. That's what they multiverse of madness. So but, I'm a sucker. You but, keep telling me it's important. I'm going to go in and be like, yeah, it's us important. Around with this, listen, shit. I think there's good odds though that it is important. You know, we phase four was kind of uh, all over the Imran's place. Such a believer. No, this is imp- <laughs> like Kang needs to course correct this whole shit starting phase five with introducing this big bad that we're going to see in other things that we're going to see in Loki and uh, the more shots that like, I, I don't mind watching the spots for this. Cause I kind of want to see more. It looks amazing. The shot of Kang again, shooting lasers at the camera, blue fucking blasts. It's just so cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting more excited as this comes. I bought, I bought tickets already and like the fucking theater was almost full. I think really by the time really? I got wow. there. Yeah. I don't remember where we booked. It, oh, our shit. theater was pretty was already getting pretty packed too when we booked it. Yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Get your tickets now. Kang is Are you, do coming. Do you go on the Thursday or yes. the Friday? Thursday, huh? always the oh, Thursday. Nice. Yeah. I I generally speaking of just I know how we always ask about the crowds. Yeah. I generally like if I'm going to go see a movie, I have three preferred times to see a movie. Okay. I'm going to go if it's a, a big opening. I want to see it that Thursday because it's usually not. Uh, it's like nerds that go and see it. Yeah. So I know that like the crowd will be it'll be good energy and they won't be like idiots usually. If not, it's got to be like Sunday afternoon when it's like a little bit more dead with like kids. Uh, actually, I don't like Sunday afternoon. Those are the bad. only other time is yeah. really like during the week. Oh, d- <laughs> like a that. random week during the day. Yeah, yeah. Or- matinee during the day during the week is great. It's great, but I just don't. If if I want to have the that energy, it's not obviously not there. Oh, there's zero energy, but there's nobody in there. Like yeah. it, it's a little chill. Yeah, like with these yeah. Marvel movies that I don't want to get spoiled, and I want the energy. I got to see it right away with all the fucking right. crazies who want to see it right away. But like Top Gun Maverick, well, it took us fucking months to go see that. Oh, Top Gun Maverick, I like, could have. Yeah. I didn't need the energy. I could have seen that at any time. Exactly, but it was still fun with a fun crowd. But yeah. I don't mind a Sunday Sunday matinee or Sunday early evening is a good time, but. I'm I'm a Thursday right away guy. I used to like Sunday matinee, but then sometimes there's a lot of kids in there. Yeah. And you get the mix of the kids and then you get the mix of like the twelve year old kids who are like the worst kids in yeah, the world. Yeah, that can be kind they, of like, annoying. They're they have phones now and they talk. Oh god, this Shazam movie is gonna be full of annoying little kids, isn't it? In the in the audience, probably. Maybe even the Ant Man one. It'll be fun. I think we'll be all right. We'll be fine. Okay, moving on. It's been a really uh, interesting time for video game television adaptations. We've had a couple of really good ones and a couple of misses. Uh, the Last of Us hot right now. We will talk about that later in the show. Uh, but Amazon is getting in the game. They are confirming. Where, haven't they been in the game? Well, with, for a video game TV show, I'm talking oh, about. Oh, sorry. A video game adaptation. Yes, I'm talking about <laughs> TV show adaptations of video games. Amazon wants in. They have bought the rights for Tomb Raider, oh. and they are giving it to Phoebe Waller-Bridge, 
who we're going to see in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny from Fleabag fame. She is executive producing and writing it. She's not starring in it. Let's be clear. She's not going to play Laura Croft. She is producing and writing and developing a live action TV series based on the game. Uh, there were plans. So what happened in tw- uh, the the last one that had Alicia Vikander as Laura Croft, there were plans for a sequel. That one came out 2018. MGM ran out of time to make the movie. A bidding war goes uh, on and Amazon wins the rights. There also seem to be planning a whole interconnected MCU style thing with a movie, a video game and the TV show all kind of connecting uh, there'll be an, another entertainment uh, company that's going to head that up. Uh, but comment on that. It's a hot thing if you could do a, a video game right right now. And I think Tomb Raider would make a great episodic TV show uh, with a good budget. I think it could be good, but I don't think it's what Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to do. Uh, she has some some cred to her name. Like she's. She wrote a James Bond film. She wrote and- uh, on No Time to Die. Her she has a very strange career. Like she does a very personal female focused comedy show that wins Emmys, and now she's like an action movie. But like the see, Tomb Raider is it's not like I don't, it's not like she, what she does. It's like I don't know. Like No Time to Die was okay. You know, it. like. It's not my favorite Bond film by any stretch of the imagination. It had a couple of action sequences. I don't know if she was responsible for those mm. in the writing. Usually, the second unit director, the action, you know, uh, like person who who does the action will will take over that whole sequence type stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, Tomb Raider is uh, at it's action based. It's mystery. It's kind of like Indiana Jones, where they there's archaeology and everything, but it's also Laura Croft, the character and her appeal. And I don't know if she is going to do that. Cause if you see what she did with James Bond and all that other stuff, that stuff's not like in the forefront. And in nowadays it's like, uh, you know, not popular to do that stuff, but Laura Croft, um, I don't know. I feel like it could be like a, like if it was like a femme Nikita. Yeah. Uh, like uh, where the show was like sexy and and fun and kind of like adventurous and like a, a throwback to like it's where it, it's it's heyday instead of trying to make it something new. It's just going to feel like everything else. Well, it's Indiana it, Jones, the TV show. And it's funny that she is in Indiana Jones five. Uh, apparently, I did not know that there is an anime series, a Tomb Raider anime series on Netflix where Haley Atwell voices Laura Croft. I have no idea. Well, about did you that. know that? I didn't know that either. No. I kind of want to check that out. Some people saying that may be uh, something they would model it after. And apparently it's good. Anthony, are you excited about any of this? What do you got? I've never been a big Tomb Raider person. I I've played the game a little bit, but as you all know, I'm not super into video games. Um, so I, I have no opinion. I think um, I'll defer to Rugboy when what Rugboy thinks on it. Yeah, I feel like. She's a very capable character. You could do a lot of things with it. Absolutely. I don't think that Phoebe Waller Bridger is going to do those things. <laughs> like the things that make it fun anyway. Well, but it may be. It'll just be by, like a by the numbers like yeah. TV show. That's kind of like every other action based TV show. The, you know, the thing is, the action's got to be good. But also there is the thing about 
how do you do a video game adaptation? We have seen lots of different uh, ways it's been done so far. For example, I haven't seen Resident Evil, but I heard it was not good. But then you have Halo, which takes the characters and the designs and then does this a completely different story. People hate that show. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. I watched the whole thing. It was okay. But at the end, it was. It kind of it, it does some weird shit at the yeah, end. Yeah, it kind of gets crazy. It falls apart. But then. It's not action. It's not action heavy as you you'd think it, it would right, be, right? For a game like Halo. So then you have Arcane, which is an amazingly gorgeous animated be, thing. Because it's animated, it's amazing, right? Yeah. And also, you don't have to be playing League of Legends to get it. You know, I don't know if it ties. It's a story from the game. It's very, I mean, it takes the characters, but it doesn't really, it's not like the game. It doesn't okay, reflect the game. Okay, so that's not like the game. And then you have another way to adapt it, which is The Last of Us, which we'll get to later. But while it stays faithful in a lot of ways, already three episodes in, it's changing a lot of things. But I think the changes are good. Like, this is, a, we're watching a very smart adaptation of a medium, a good medium to another successful medium. Which way do you take the Tomb Raider? Is That's going to be the question. I don't know. I mean, um, she's a talented person, but I really feel like I don't think that we're going to get what we've been wanting out of Tomb Raider. You're going to take Tomb Raider and make it into something else. That's what they do. They're like, hey, we're going to take this IP and we're just going to like take everything away that that's that's in it and like just make this other thing. And that's what exactly what everyone's doing with everything. They think that they're being like clever or like inventive, but what they're doing is just, you know, they're, they're, they're not servicing the actual character I mean, in the actual game. You were right. Master chief takes off his fucking helmet a lot. He should not be they doing do that a lot. He should not yeah. be doing it. Anyways, what I do know listener is you should check out our T public shop. Cause there's a lot of cool stuff to buy. Sure they, they should Anthony, because there's a lot of great, uh, t-shirts, hoodies, Tank tops with different designs, cell phone cases, tote bags, pillows, uh, a lot of fun merch swag. You can help promote the show and have something cool and niche that nobody else will have. Jockandnerd.com slash shop. Okay, last thing I want to discuss real quick. We've been talking about the Oscars for a few weeks. Last week, we had Gerald Morris on giving his nomination predictions before the actual nominations. And you've probably seen it now. He actually nailed a lot of those nominations. Did you guys notice that? Like, yeah, that he's, he's a smart guy. He studies it. He, he's into it. He knows his stuff. He doesn't abs- know how to pick sci-fi movies. Well, but he knows how to pick the Oscar. We'll find out about that well, later. But he does know how to pick the Oscar nominations. So he nailed <laughs> a lot of it. But what's notable for us in the comic book geek space here is after about 15 years and 30 movies, uh, a Marvel actor has gotten an acting nomination, of course, and this was predicted. We saw this coming. Angela Bassett getting Best Supporting Actor, Actress nomination for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, I think she's, I hope she wins. I think she's the front runner to win. That will be the first Marvel actor. Now, do you think that she's nominated. the best actress of the year? Well, she hears who she is <laughs> going up against. Angela Bassett is going up against Hong Chow from The Whale, Carrie Condon from The Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Stephanie Sue, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Mm. So a lot of diversity in this group of uh, I feel actresses. like, yeah, maybe she's got a shot. I think, I think she's got a shot. Um, if I could put on my Roman Polanski, I don't know why I use that name, hat. 
You should look that guy <laughs> up actually one day. I know who he is. It's like I the know, worst person. I know exactly who okay. he is, I just, but it's just the only name that's stuck in my head. Um, if I could put that hat on, go back to my yeah. Oscar days, I would say she has a good shot. The Oscars are very, if you didn't know this, the Oscars are very political, and a lot of these awards are often lifetime achievement awards, and I don't think she's ever won anything. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure, and I don't feel like Googling it right now. But that being said, it, if you take out Black Panther Wakanda Forever, if you didn't know that was a Marvel movie, it is somewhat of an over, like, a big Oscar-y kind of performance for a supporting actress. She has a lot of scenes where she's showing a lot of emotion and, and uh, making big speeches, and that's what the Oscars like. So I could see her winning. Yeah, I think she it might be, might be the time. I, I haven't seen the other movies, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, just uh, for numbers out there, everything, everywhere, all at once leads the pack with eleven nominations. Uh, let's just uh, let the best pictures. Let's talk about that that real quick because uh, ten movies, and it was kind of for me, it was kind of a surprise uh, that some of these movies made it in. I told you these movies would make it. Yes, we did guess most of these movies were going to make it. So the actual nominees are all quiet on the Western Front. Avatar: The Way of Water. Banshees of Inishiran, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. This is a crazy wide range of movies. I was surprised that Top Gun and Avatar, two big bringing the people back to the theater movies that have collectively made, what, over $3 billion right now. Uh, yep. Got in there. That's kind of crazy. Do you think that Elvis was also the most three hundred yeah. million domestic? Oh, domestic. Worldwide. Yeah. No, worldwide. I'm sorry. Oh, worldwide. Okay. Still, I mean, Elvis is a crazy Baz Luhrmann musical, uh, and everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, being in there is great. Do you think that addition of Avatar and Top Gun Maverick is going to get more people to tune in on March 13th to watch? I can't see how it won't hurt. Yeah, or won't help. Um, those are like the two biggest movies of the year. So, you know, it, part of this is people have seen these movies and now they could, you know, potentially watch the Oscars and see recognized movies that they've seen. So I, I think it'll help. I think if you're looking at the, the Oscars, this list, it actually is objectively a pretty diverse list in terms yeah. of I, I kind of like the, the way they went. You have All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a foreign uh, war movie. Avatar and, and Top Gun Maverick are your big blockbusters that everyone's seen. Um, Elvis is a biopic. Mm. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is an A24 film. Mm. The Fablemans is a Spielberg film. Yep. You have these like art house films like Triangle of Sadness and Banshees and Reinsurance and uh, Tar. So yeah. pretty diverse group. I actually like that the Oscars are getting a little bit more diverse in terms of picking movies. Um for everyone, like kind of a lot of a, a different, uh, a wide variety of buckets, a little bit of everything. It's cool because in order, like in the past, when you had to do a movie and, and even be considered for an Oscar, you had to do these like very specific kind of movies that were right. Considered to be Oscar fodder. And yep. it's now it's nice that like, yeah, you, you can have an Oscar performance in anything. If you've, if you have a good writing and good acting and good directing. Uh, well, I'm excited that Avatar and Top Gun made it in there. I think there's a low chance that one of them is going to win it. No, they're not going to win. Who do you think? Want to make predictions? Who's the who's best bet in this one? 
I'm still gonna go everything everywhere all at once for best 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 picture. picture. Yeah, I mean, I would just base this off of my research and not having seen any of the films. But I think everything everything everywhere all at once is the favorite, and Banshees and of Inner Sharon and Fablemans are the other two. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. Rugs, who do you think wins this Uh, for best picture? Let me look at the All Quiet is a great movie, but it is a fucking downer. Where's best picture? But it's very good. It's way you got to scroll down. It's at the bottom. Yeah, it's after music. Speaking of uh, music, RRR walks away with one nomination for best original song, Not To Not To, which is the big dance number in the middle. That's not going to win. I, I think <laughs> maybe uh, is that. He, I mean, it has to maybe. Be, it has. You think he'll take the Not, not To Not To is going to take it? It's got to beat Lift Me Up from Black Panther with Rihanna and Thames and Coogler. See, let's look at this best picture thing. All right. Back in the old days. The favorite would be All Quiet on the Western Front, but that's a foreign film. Yeah. Back in those days, if you smell your own farts, like that would be making even more yeah. like, oh, it's a foreign film, too. Then you got like Tar and Triangle of Sadness, which is also seemed like Oscar fodder, right? Yeah. Um, Banshee's also Oscar fodder. Like that's a, it's a little bit more of a off kilter movie, but Women Talking, total Oscar. I mean, the Fablemans is like Steven Spielberg's origin movie about a boy falling in love with making movies like the Academy loves that shit. Academy loves that shit. (laughs) Yeah. So that that's definitely. But then you got like things like Elvis and you got Top Gun (laughs) and everything everywhere all at once, which is a fucking crazy movie that is like you can't even describe it. It's like it's a ridiculous film, but it's also poignant at the same time. And it goes in weird places. So I think that that movie's doing the most different type of shit. Like, like Tar, as great as it might be, it's been we've had movies like this. We talked about like, uh, what's that one where the guy plays the drums Whiplash. and he bleeds? Yeah, Whiplash. like it's like you know, this, we Sound of Metal you know, is like another one. Yeah, like where people are losing their they're losing their faculties or they're they're going crazy or they're having a breakdown doing some kind of a big performance. Oscar base seen that? Yeah, we've seen that. So I think that everything is actually doing something that's so bizarre that we have to acknowledge it. Um, Avatar, the way of water. No, it's not going to win best picture. It's, I hope that wins um, best visual effects. Cause. Elvis. I think Elvis is a little too wacky. I think that Tom Hanks performance is so I don't I, I hate it. It almost kind of ruins the movie, but it was yeah, fun it to almost watch. ruins the I movie. Loved, I had fun with it. Those. Almost was a car. I mean, I know it's a cartoon and like Boz Lerman. This is probably one of Boz Lerman's best movies that he's ever oh, done. You think so? Wow. Yeah, because yeah, I think like Romeo and Juliet was a cacophony yeah. and then Moulin Rouge was OK, yeah. but it really it really like was clinging to those songs for dear life. Like without those songs, like that movie would have fell flat. So, um, yeah, I feel like this is probably his most cohesive. Like, I film. think it's more like Elvis fits his style, also, right? The story of this guy kind of is the perfect vehicle for Bosler. Well, the actor that he and chose was good, Austin and the fact Butler, that the music, yeah. the he could use the music, but the music is integral yep, yep. to it. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, Top Gun's not going to win, even though it's okay. So, what do you think it wins? Was, it, Everything, Everything everywhere yes. all at once. Oh, that's two votes for that. All right. And I think that if I'm going to go for another one, it's going to be Banshees. Yeah, I think Banshees is probably. Or I would go all quiet if it wasn't a foreign production. I mean, too. they've given it to foreign movies before. 
They've only yeah. given it to one foreign movie. Before. Oh, just one. Okay, maybe not. Parasite. Yeah. Also, there's a thing I heard on the Campia show where no best picture has won if it's not nominated in at least a few of the other big categories, which is why I don't think Avatar or Top Gun Maverick has no, a chance. No, it's not yeah. going to win. Yeah, it's not going to win. It's nice they're in there, though. It's nice, isn't it? It's just a nice to see it there. Yeah. It's going to get me invested. So March 13th, uh, Oscars, watch it. Okay, let's take a quick break here. Uh, we're going to play some promos and come back and talk about The Dude right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Shalomi, my homies. This is Dan from Netflix and Swill. Every year, Gerald from Two Peas puts on his personal movie awards, affectionately called the Golden Peas, honoring the previous year in film. This year will be the first year as a YouTube broadcast, and we'll have special guest presenters giving out awards in seven movie categories, including Best Movie, Best Female Performance, and Best Horror Movie, just to name a few. And the best part about all of this is that the winners are voted on and chosen by you. These awards are 100% based on your participation and votes. Please help me share and promote the Golden Peas leading up to the event, and don't forget to cast your ballot this year. Head over to twopeasonapod.com slash goldenpeas to see the list of nominees and cast your votes. And then be sure to tune in on Monday, March 13th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern to see the winners revealed live on YouTube. We will have some fantastic special guests, and Gerald will be joined by co-host, the god of podcasting himself, Loisos. We hope you join us this year to once again celebrate our shared love of the movies. Hey there, everyone. Brian here, host of TV Trivia Pod. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? And what's everyone eating in the post credit scene of Avengers? Play along to TV Trivia Pod anywhere you get podcasts. And stay tuned for more trivia! Listener, if you enjoy this show and answer Anthony whispering seductively yes. in the background, whisper. Well, listen, you should join our Patreon fan club. Jockey Nerd fan club. Visit jockeynerd.com slash Patreon. There's a link in the show description. You can support the show on a monthly or annual support basis. Support. I love this subliminal, Anthony. I don't know if everyone can hear that. But everybody gets stuff what? there. You get access to an exclusive podcast feed. Access. Where shows come out early, early, and there's bonus content. Bonus. <laughs> and oh, I don't know if that's gonna make it. You might have to be a little bit louder. I feel like I'm listening to DMX. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Uh, you also get Discord benefits. You can come hang out on our Yay. monthly Discord hangout. Once we do it once a month. month. We had one just last week, and boy, yeah, was did. it a lot of fun. Anthony, all three of us was there. Anthony was in was loose, feeling good. Did you have feeling good? Did you have fun? Wasn't I it? break bread with my fan club. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that a fun one though? We had a lot of good people. I had a there. good time. I had a good time. I was there. Nobody knows that reference. Got to hang out, and people were there, and they got to see see me, see me for who I am. Yeah, shout out to everybody. Yeah, you got to see like a little bit of a loosey-goosey Anthony right there. He was yeah. like, yeah, fuck it, dude. He was like the dude. 
That was. I see that look on his face before. Only <laughs> <laughs> bad things happen. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy fun things happen. Listen, that shout out to it's funny, Anthony. Joey Austin also promoting it in the group. He was there. Jose, Daryl, Blake, Braden, Dope Hope. It was a lot of fun. Didn't uh, Ronald Hans? Ron Hans. Yeah, Ron he, Hans. he jumped yeah. in at the, the very end. Time. Yeah, yeah. His debut. Debut, yeah. Ron Hans. So it was a lot of fun. I love when that happens. The next one, listener, you can sign up. Is there still time? Thursday, sign up. February 23rd, 8 p.m. is a February the date for the February Discord Hangout. And there is a tier where you can force us to watch and review any movie you want that is a fun tier. We're going to do that this episode. So if any of that sounds fun, visit jockinner.com slash Patreon. Click the link in the description. Join the community. Okay, let's get to this week's review. It is a Patreon-sponsored review of the Coen Brothers movie, The Big Lebowski from 1998. Here are your spoilers. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. This one is sponsored by our Patreon member and longtime listener, Blake Braden. Yeah. Who was at the Discord. Blake. Blake yes. Braden. And he was there, and I forgot to tell him where you were doing his movie, but now he's going to know. Uh, so thanks, Blake, for being a fan club member. Uh, this movie on Rotten Tomatoes uh, is uh, 79% tomato meter. 7.3 out of 10 average rating audience score, 93%. This movie was made for about $15 million and goes on to finish at $46 million. Not a lot. Triples his money. But in the later years, especially in the, the 2000s and later, uh, sells really well on DVD and VHS. Well, they were still VHS. Slowly becoming a cult classic hit. We will get into that. Uh, like I said before, the movie written and directed by the brothers Cohen, Joel and Ethan mm. Cohen, who are very, uh, they make very quirky movies known for other such great movies as Fargo, No Country for Old Men. Uh, and it features a lot of their frequent contributors in the cast, namely John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, John Polito, John Turturro, Peter Stormari, all in this movie. They're in a lot of Cohen brothers movies, but in the lead we have as the dude. An amazing Jeff Bridges. I believe they wrote this just for him. Uh, and you have cameos by Flea from the Red uh, Chili Peppers. I don't know if you guys spotted him. Yeah, I, oh, I spotted him. Yeah. one of the Germans. He is one of the German pornographers. Yes. Okay. So having said that, and I know, Anthony, the only other Coen Brothers movie you have watched is Raising Arizona. And I know this. No, because that's not true. Oh, no. No countries. No, I've seen no country. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you have a little bit of taste of the Coen brothers because they make interesting movies. Had you seen this movie before? Not in its entirety, no. Okay, so let's start there, Anthony. What happens in The Big Lebowski? The Big Lebowski is about uh, this pretty much this guy that does nothing with his life other than bowls. He's probably in his late 40s, early 50s, and... One day he gets confused as another Lebowski with the same name that's much more rich, and they visit his these burglars visit his house looking for money, and because of this situation he visits the real Lebowski looking for payment or looking for um, money because these 
burglars piss on his rug. <laughs> and because he gets himself involved in this situation, he goes on a journey with burglars and crime and pornographers and gets wrapped up in all sorts of drama that he never asked to be a part of and has to call upon his friends played by John Goodman and Steve Buscemi to help him out. I'm the dude, man. He's the dude. It is a crazy convoluted plot. And yeah, it was tough for me to describe the plot. Yes, but, but there's a lot yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And we will talk about the plot, but I want to know Anthony first time watching this movie at the end, how are you feeling? I, I wasn't feeling as bad as I did after uh, raising your Okay, that's, sure. that's good. There are parts of the movie that I, I I I was really into. I think the plot itself is pretty interesting because you just don't really know what's happening, and every time something happens, it kind of twists and turns into another direction. So you're trying to figure what's going on, and not in like a confused way, but more it's just like, how did this all happen? Like how did this? How do these stories intersect? How does this crime? Or this non-crime, whatever it is, how did this play out? Like, I want to kind of figure that out. So there, that's good. There are some funny things with Lebowski, played by Jeff Bridges and Goodman, and some funny little scenes. And some of the stuff he gets caught up in is funny. It is weird as shit at sometimes. I'll, what I'll say is I I liked certain parts of it. There's parts I I was pulling out my phone and kind of bored with. Oh, really? And. Um, Probably not a movie I'll ever revisit, but I'm glad I saw it. <laughs> Did it make you laugh uh, out loud at any point? Oh, yeah. My my favorite is Goodman just trying to relate everything back to Vietnam. Yes. <laughs> His character to me was was fantastic. Uh, His interactions with, the, with, with uh, the dude and the dude just being like, come on, dude, like, come on, stop. And his overreactions I thought were the best parts of the movie. He peed on my rug. The dude and Walter are a great, they have a great chemistry. Uh, rugs, what can you, I know you've seen this movie a few times. I've also seen this movie a few times. The co- what, Well, what, what, how do you feel with it about it now? See, the first time I ever watched it, it was 1998. I was a little young and not as seasoned of a, of a movie watcher as I am now. I was kind of into boobs and action, and that's all I needed. And uh, when I went to see this movie, Yes, it was in a post pulp fiction world where I was uh, allowing myself to like absorb but the Coen brothers always was one a very hard sell for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cuz they were operating on another level that I couldn't get to. Also, there's boobs in this movie. Yeah, there is. But um <laughs> there are boobs. But I think I think um like the first time I watched it, I didn't like it mm. very much. I was just like it's all right, but like I don't know what the big hubbub is about it. And I realized, oh, it's me. Like, I have to, I, I don't really, I'm not really watching them. I'm trying to figure this movie out. And I'm not really, like, taking it in. So the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, I think I'm getting it. Now, this is probably the third or fourth time that I've watched it. And I don't watch it very often. But this time that I watched it, I fucking loved it. Nice. And I finally get it now. And, um. I always I started to get it on around the the third time I watched it, like you know, feeling. Like, but then, knowing what I know going into this movie, I was watching for more things, and it just makes the experience. And like, not only that, I forgot how funny this movie is. Oh my god! And it's funnier sometimes, uh, even when you know what he's going to say yes. next or what's going to happen next. So, um, 
I really enjoy this film. Is it my favorite movie of all time? No, but I really appreciate it. And uh, I could say that I actually get it now. Uh, so no, um, you're absolutely right. This movie, the more you watch it, the more you pick up things, the more you kind of it reveals itself, the more you get it. The Coen brothers, everything they do in this movie is purposeful. Uh, you know, they there's a reason for the weirdest things, but the absurdity of it becomes more enjoyable. To me, it is one of the most quotable. I go around quoting a lot of Coen Brothers movies, but this is one of the most quotable Coen Brothers movies ever. And yes, their movies can be a little inaccessible. They're very esoteric. They're quirky. I got turned on to them in art school. I was hanging out with film majors, and that's when I like, I, I was showing Barton Fink and Miller's Crossing. I fucking love Fargo, but this is definitely up there as like an absurdist satire and commentary on American society, on on war, on gen, uh, the generations and capitalism and hippie culture. It's crazy. It works like a stoner noir, a slacker noir. It's a stoner movie on its surface, but it's pretty deep, actually, even though it is a movie where the plot doesn't matter at all. The story really doesn't matter. It's about the dialogue, the characters, the performances, the attitude. Well, you can look at the plot too. The, the plot, yeah, the yeah, plot does no. That. The plot is yeah. unnecessarily overly convoluted. But it's a, a look. It's about a rug. It's about money that was never there in the first place. Uh, the dude ends up in the same place at where at the end where he is in the beginning, minus a rug. Uh, but he's still chill. So, well, uh, I think the movie opens with this tumbleweed, right? Yeah, and the tumbleweed it symbolizes the dude. All right. So yes. the dude is this tumbleweed that just kind of like goes wherever the wind blows. Right. Yes. And it, and it opens with him in in a robe uh, at the store like, <laughs> buying milk with a check. Yep. He has no yep. money. Yep. And he's buying a card to milk with a check. But he's kind of like, even though there is a Jesus in this movie, he is his own Jesus he's yes. in a robe. He's yes. got the beard. He's kind of like uh, uh, pacifist. He's a very pacifist person, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now, what happens is he goes home and he's now thrust into this thing where his life is now all out of balance. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. And he's got his friend. His friend is like the absolute worst person for him to ever <laughs> listen to. Absolutely. Because the dude, if he kept on his pacifist, not giving a shit type of lifestyle, which, he, which he's been living his whole life, he just would have moved on with his life and just... Been mighty, uh, 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 had a dirty rug or gotten it cleaned or something, whatever. He got his just, rug back. The movie would have been over there. Like, he actually gets it back and goes home, right? No, I mean, they didn't take the rug. They just pissed on it. Oh, he got another like, rug. It, he got a replacement. Another rug, yeah. and that's it's taken from him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That got but stolen. like, like, but he listens to, he listens to his friend yeah. who's fucking a psychopath. Yes, Walter is and great. His other friend gets killed because of that, or like he has a heart attack yeah. and dies. His whole entire life is thrown into disarray. And he learned by the end of the movie is that I was doing fine. I didn't need all of this stuff to, you know, like I didn't need to do any of this shit. Like I, I was fine. Like I, what, the way I'm living my life, it, the way that I'm choosing to like, like just be in the moment it was fine. I think all the things that go wrong, go wrong because he's listening to someone or someone's in his head or someone's giving him bad advice and he's following it like because you know he d goes where the wind blows. I mean Walter well, just takes over and brings his gun well, what's, everywhere. What's, 
what is kind of nice now that we're thinking about it a little bit, and it, this just popped into my head, so bear with me if it's all over the place, but in a strange sort of way, this entire weird situation that he got himself involved in that could have been avoided many times yeah. actually ends up giving his life purpose because by the end he has a kid. Oh, yeah. there's a little dude out there. There's a little right? dude With out there. And this, like never would have happened if he didn't get roped into this thing. So his useless life is now given meaning because he, even though he probably won't be the father to that kid, because no. the lady she knows. Yeah, specifically well, he's having the a kid most, with him. Yeah, this guy shouldn't have a kid. Right. He's not. He's not dad material. But <laughs> the universe somehow figured out a way to get him, get him to. Yeah. Get him the perfect lady who had money to carry his kid. So, like, in his way of living, like the universe is providing him with everything he needs. He's like, got. He's he doesn't do anything. He somehow always is able to survive, right? <laughs> yeah. But and now the universe kind of like hands him a, a mother of his of his child that's going to take good care of this kid, and that's just the universe kind of like rewarding the dude things work out you know? the dude i love that scene too where she's like on her back and he's like what is that yoga she goes increases the chance of conception and he does a spit take drinking his white russian but but if you think about this right like his name is lebowski right but he rejects that name he rejects a name he he only wants to be referred to as dude yeah like yeah like which is the most like blase like nondescript term <laughs> he doesn't want to be known as his name and then this movie forces him to meet a Lebowski, a Lebowski that cares about like appearances that is driven by ego exact opposite and of this the Lebowski. exact yes. opposite of. Yes. Yeah. And he has to kind of face himself and he has to get yelled at by this person and, you know, whatever he's being and, used like, by it, everyone in being the movie used by him. Yeah. yeah. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, let's talk about the dude. What an incredible character. I mean, if there's one person that can relate to his casual, uh, <laughs> apathetic fucking stoner, minus the white Russians, I live by the dude's philosophy. Just go with the you flow. A Take it easy, man. Everything's going to Yeah, no matter what out. happens, you just wait it out. You wait it out. <laughs> Things happen to you, and you go with the flow. What a great character. Also... The, uh, Jeff Bridges has probably the most comfortable costume anybody's ever worn in a movie. I just could every time I was like, "Oh my god, he looks so comfortable." He's just wearing robes and t-shirts. he was wearing these were like gel sandals, sandals and sweatpants. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, a- he, he does a good job. I'll give you this. He does a very good job encompassing that role because he looks so he, relaxed. Yeah, he he looks he looks like a guy that would be like that. Like he plays it up so well. I'm the just dude, like, man. Yeah, he just doesn't give a fuck. Has no, I mean, he cares about stuff. Don't get me wrong. He, he, he realizes when he's in a shit situation how bad it is. But his whole perception of life and being the dude and him just kind of rolling with it. I mean, that he, he just Jeff Bridges I, personifies that role. He's so well. good in this role. I can't put my finger if he used to care about stuff because he was a protester ah. and wrote like anti-war stuff in the sixties. And he used to care, or maybe was he going was with the line? flow of the? Yes, yeah. when the, after oh. he when he's in bed with Maud, yeah, yeah. When he sleeps oh. with Maud, she's like he's he like drops a couple of like lines about oh I was in this 
uh, what is it? The uh, something seven yeah, or something. So the dude, partly based on someone the Cohen brothers knew named Jeff Dowd, who is a film producer they went, they met while working on uh, Blood Simple. Dowd went by the dude, and he was w- one of the Seattle Seven, which was a Seattle Liberation Front that helped organize a 1970s Vietnam War protest in downtown Seattle and were charged with conspiracy to incite a riot. Let me throw this at you. If we're going to psychoanalyze the dude. You can. Is the dude actually just a really depressed guy? I mean, he's masking a lot of things with booze. Because he's and, drunk and dr- all the time. Yes, and high all the time, right? He's right? He's numb. He numbs everything. He's Yeah, he's numbing everything. Yeah. He's listening to old... I don't even know what he's listening to. He doesn't like the Eagles. He fucked the yeah. Eagles. Great soundtrack, <laughs> he's though. To, he's listening to his, the old cassettes of yeah. like different things, like yeah. bowling and... like. I don't know if this guy's actually all that happy with his life. Like you do wonder about his background. Like, how did he get here? Uh, you look who he associates with. Yeah, I mean, these yeah, are his friends are shit. No, but, shit friends. But, but he is a guy. I've known a couple of people like this. Old school hippies that are still living in the sixties and seventies, uh, and that's their lifestyle. Like he reminded me a lot of people I had met in my real life. But the contrast of that 70s hippie anti-war generation versus 80s, 90s capitalist pro-war, the fact that it's set against the Gulf War, they keep mentioning that. I find that's very interesting because uh, I think that's also subtle commentary on uh, aggression. If you notice, a lot of conflict is solved with aggression in this movie as the dude is trying to stay out of things. What's relatable about the movie is there's a little bit of the dude in all of us. Yes. Right? Like, there's a part of us that would just like to have white Russians all day. Fuck it. I'm unemployed. <laughs> fucking, yeah. yeah, fucking be unemployed and, and, like, just go to the bowling league and not really give off the perception. Give off the perception you don't really care about things. But, um, then psychoanalyzing the dude, he does give a shit. He gives a shit about certain things and he realizes right from wrong. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't need your fucking sympathy, man. I need my fucking Johnson. Yeah, it's a deeper character than you would think. Just on the surface. He is, but uh, also, if you notice, he repeats things. Some of his lines are things that he heard earlier in the movie. He sees George Bush talking to Saddam, saying, this aggression won't stand. Later in the movie, oh, yeah, he, he tells that. that to Vlad, this aggression won't stand, man. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. There are times in this movie, that limo scene specifically, where Jeff Bridges is delivering lines, and I actually buy that he does not know what he is about to say. <laughs> like, that he's actually just making, like, he there's no script, like, he's real, he doesn't know what he's about to say, he's just fucking babbling. Uh, it's an amazing performance. And then you mix in all these crazy dream sequences that yeah, he has weird. when he goes under or he's floating over the bowling lane under the girl's legs. Well, I think that that's supposed to be like an allegory for him. Like, like, uh, like he's, uh, the, he goes into a bowling ball that's thrown by Maud, right? Right. Yeah. Into a bunch of pins and the pins like explode into the, in, into like this void. And it's like, uh, like, like sperm. Yes. Like, like oh these little white my God, sperm. It is. That was kind of foreshadowing. But, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that I heard some. I think uh, I watched uh, a postmortem from Comic Book Girl nineteen, and she like loves this movie. 
and uh, she did like a really good, so uh, a really good analysis of it. And um, yeah, that's what she, her, her observation. I'm like, when she said, it, I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I don't know if it's that, that's what it is, but I mean, I, um, I love that POV shot from inside the bowling ball as it's rolling the <laughs> slow-mo bowling in the beginning and just like overall the focus on like regular bodies. There's a lot of like nobody's in shape, right? And they're focusing on the bellies a lot of times, and you see a lot of bellies. Uh, you know, John Goodman is in rare form, but this movie—it's partly they said it's inspired by Raymond Chandler's *The Big Sleep* novel. Raymond Chandler was like a pulp uh, writer who wrote this kind of noir fiction. So, like, there's elements of a western in this movie. There's elements of detective noir, and they've just placed the most unlikely person who would be the worst at this in the middle of like this detective case that he somehow gets all wrapped up in all coincidentally. How, how much, how much do you think not to take this too far into a different movie, but how much do you think pineapple express got inspiration? from? Oh, I movie? think a lot of movies were inspired by this movie. Cause it is a little bit, that's a stoner. That is almost a more straightforward stoner comedy. It's I a love stoner that flick, movie. But also where they get wrapped up in a crime thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they're now there's now the stoners are caught in this crime thing that they like never asked to be a part of. Yeah, they just he saw the murder and he gets sucked in. I mean, in the like in Seth Rogen's kind of style, it's really good. But like the Coen brothers have this weird, weird style that that makes every movie their own. But I could get you a toe. <laughs> I get you a toe by four o'clock. How about this? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, anybody, you believe a toe? How about this? I still jerk off manually. <laughs> uh, but man it's this it, it the more you think about it the deeper i guess and we can't not talk about john turturro as oh, jesus yeah. what an amazing performance hey do you want to get you ready to get fucked he just walked up <laughs> there's a lot of people talking about getting fucked yes. I, I love i love that they cut to that one scene where they explain that he had to ring every doorbell in the neighborhood because he's a pederast yes. reveal that yes. he's a pedo what is it a pederast pederast i mean He's licking the bowling ball. The dance he does is amazing. Uh, one of my favorite lines is nobody fucks with the Jesus. Uh, it's fantastic. I, I wrote him down as one of my funny things I liked as well. And then I liked that they keep referring to the Germans. They're just, oh, they're nihilists. They're nihilists. They just casually just, well, throw out, oh, they're nihilists. They can't hurt anybody, well, Donnie. They're, they're nihilists. That is to juxtapose. So like nihilism is believing in nothing. Right. Right. And Zen is the art of nothing. Oh, so it's the two nothings juxtaposed against each other. So the dude represents Zen, just letting shit happen and just going with the flow and like not trying to just kind of like letting the universe lead you in a direction. And nihilism is like rejecting everything and believing in nothing and that there's nothing worth. So I think that the movie also tries to juxtapose these nihilists yeah. with with these with, with the Zen mastery or whatever. Well, I, I like that. <clears throat> Excuse me, Walter Sobchak, Sobchak, John Goodman's character, just starts referring to them as Nazis, and is a yeah, they're automatic born again Nazis. Jew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, and he's even, carrying on being Jewish even though his wife left him. Oh, that's you know, right. He's modeled after John Milius. Oh, yes. Oh, really? Yes. You know about that? And another couple of other guys. Yeah. 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 John Goodman's Walter is direct, uh, modeled after Milius, who uh, has worked on Dirty Harry, Apocalypse Now, Jaws, Conan the Barbarian. Milius does look like that. He has glasses and a beard and also claims to be obsessed with the Vietnam War. 
Uh, and that whole the whole scene where he finds the paper in the car and goes to the kid's house. Oh my god, oh, that's great! That happened. What? Not to Milius, but another oh guy. My god. Let's talk about that scene because there's so many funny things. <laughs> this your homework, Larry. Yeah, we're gonna cut your dick off, Larry. What, what does he say? Is this you want to see what happens when you fuck a stranger in this the ass? This is what happens, Larry. He's smashing his car. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. You're hurting your father, Larry. He's like, hey, that's my car. It's not even the kid's car. Hold on. The funniest thing about that is they play this movie on television, on cable networks and CW. So the edits uh, for TV are kind of funny. Here's one. I just pulled up a YouTube clip. This is what happens, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? This is what happens. (laughs) You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? This is what happens when you feed a scrambled eggs. What happens when <laughs> <to> the <laughs> And then the other guy rolls up. It's not his car. This is you what, see a stranger in the Alps. You see a stranger in the Alps. What a great scene that amounted to nothing. Wow. Because there was no money. Uh, no. It, there wasn't his car. Uh, and there, was never, there was never money in the, at all. It was all. a ringer for a ringer. Uh, and then every time, well, the whole plot is that the 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 rich Lebowski isn't actually rich. He he got all of his money from yep. his yep. wife, who's now deceased. So all the money is in a trust, and he only can get to it when he has like an emergency or has some reason to withdraw from the trust. So the daughter controls. He's, he's got nothing. So he made this big ruse that his wife, his ne- his new wife, has been kidnapped, so right. he could withdraw money, and then he kept the money and just used. Uh, the dude as a patsy, like yeah. blame I don't it on know, he lost I don't the know if he caused that. I feel like Bunny. No, no. What who, do you mean? He caused what? He did. He call Jackie Treehorn, the pornographer, to hire to hire the nihilist to fake a kidnapping because she just took a trip without telling anyone. And I thought, no, no, no. That I think she still owed money to Jackie. She Treehorn. owed money to Jackie Treehorn. And yes. the nihilist saw when she left. They they want they wanted to extort. Um. The real, the big Lebowski. It was just all these things. I think that were just coincidental. They used the opportunity. Yeah, they they to were each using an opportunity there. Oh, and Le- Lebowski's like, oh, I can now withdraw money because this is happening. Dude, the, Jackie Treehorn, his only involvement is that she does owe him money, but by Jackie Treehorn getting involved, he got the dude involved because he 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 did he got the wrong Lebowski. Who, by the way. I was like Roadhouse. That's the villain in Roadhouse. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's the villain. Ben Gazzara. <laughs> yep, Ben Gazzara. Oh shit, that's right. Oh, there's this line. We're gonna cut your dick off. <laughs> How about in the dream sequence where they're running in red suits with giant sweater scissors, trying to cut his dick off? Is is, yeah. is hilarious. There's somebody. Do you remember this scene? I, I know we're going off track, but you remember? So he he sees his landlord, and his landlord's like, uh, "Yeah, you get give me the rent, whatever." And he's like, "Yeah, by are you coming to my show?" And then you forget about it completely. And then, like a little bit later, they're all in a theater, and he's doing this interpretive oh, dance. That's what that oh, that's was. The show? Oh, I, yeah, I, I didn't oh, that's him. That. Oh shit, that's the landlord. That's so right. it does come back, and I'm like, why the fuck are they in it? I'm like, oh yeah, like that was the show that he was talking about. Oh, that's what earlier. that show was. I did. I missed yeah, that too. That I yeah. missed that, dude. The more I'm telling you, the more you watch this movie, the more you pick up on things. Like, for example, Donnie has a heart attack and dies which itself is kind of like a commentary on like an action movie like there was nobody got shot and it was just a silly (laughs) stupid way to die but if you notice before that after he bowls he gets a spare he leaves one pin up and he goes and sits down and he's feeling his left arm like it's all tingly or something Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, mm-hmm. they foreshadow a lot of things. You never see the dude bowl. Oh, no, and don't. I was kind of mad we didn't get to see the tournament against uh, the Jesus because I kind of wanted to see the dude bowl. <laughs> uh, but there's so many great lines. Every time John Goodman goes, shut the fuck up, Donnie. You're out of your element. I just fucking laughed. You want to know what the other thing I thought about, about the dueling Jesus thing? So you have like the Jesus that's in the Bible, which is like this pacifist, this like kind of like love everyone, blah, blah, blah. with the And then like. Uh, there's this like perverted kind of Jesus where like people take the Bible and make it into whatever they want for their own purposes. And that seems like the Jesus, you know, like, you know, like the Roman Catholic Church is a bunch of pedophiles oh, yeah. and all that stuff. So the Jesus is a pedophile. Like there's a lot of fucking subtext you can apply to if you want to like uh, against the Catholic Church and all that stuff. There's so many like, again, there's so many things in this movie, layers of subtext. And I kind of love uh, the fact that it's just this ambling, purposely aimless and ambling movie, but it's the experience. More great lines when he just goes, nice marmot. And they fucking drop the marmot <laughs> in the thing. And then he's like, I got new information, man. New things have come to light. They've come to light. <laughs> yes. Great. Do you of like course. sex, Mr. Lebowski? The physical act of love? Coitus? Do you like it? Just a, a, amazing stuff already. Mind if I do a J? Oh, I love that line. And then my the one I always use is, fuck it, dude, let's go bowling. Because that sums up my whole philosophy of life right there <laughs> in fucking four words. Do right? you bowl, Imran? Imran does not bowl. I have, but I'm not good at it. <laughs> Mind <laughs> if I do a J? Imran has a different sport. What's your sport of choice, Imran? Smoking J's. Oh, man. I used to be good at darts in the pool back when I was in the bars all the time. Mm-hmm. It was in a while. By, a by cornhole. Oh, I, I can get good at that. I used to be good at that for a bit, for a hot second. <laughs> but there was people that were better. And I just was like, fuck this. I love in the beginning where they pee on his rug and he's holding the, the bowling ball. And the dude's like, what the fuck is this? And he just goes, obviously, you're not a golfer. <laughs> the guy just <laughs> drops it. I, I'm going to write a movie tonight. It's going to be called The Big Javed. And uh, it's going to be the same. <laughs> well, that's like your opinion. Like Imran means a successful version of Imran. It's uh <laughs> An asshole, like it'd be great. I, that, there's one other line in there, in that in that bowling ball scene when they pee on his rug. Right before that, they're stuffing his face in the toilet, like "Where's the money?" or something along those lines. Yeah. Like they bring him up, he's like, "Well, put me back down in there so I can look one more time." Yeah, let me get, shove let his me face down there. there. Let me get a second look. <laughs> and he's like, "Put me down there. Let me get a second look." <laughs> At least I'm housebroken. Uh, the guy, he's just peeing how on about his rug. The, how about the private eye tailing him the entire oh, time in yeah, a bug? Oh, yeah, that's John Polito, who's in a lot of their movies. He's, that was kind of crazy, too. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the guy from The Crow who gets, who oh, gets shot. Oh, that's right. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie's really made up of a lot of different... You're funny. There you go. Lines. And, uh, I mean, with you guys pointing out some of the stuff, I'll give it more credit. There is... As you guys talk about it, I'm starting to enjoy the three times to get it. It took me three times to get it. It is one of those, uh, yeah, that you got to watch a couple of times and it grows on you. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll watch it again someday with a new perspective. The first time though was it was like I said before was a a bit of a mixed bag for me to watch. Yeah, I agree. I agree because it's hard. It's it's some of it's inaccessible unless you you have at least a something pointing you in a direction and you're like, oh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm supposed to see. And that's the Coen right. brothers, right? That they make these 
inaccessible kind of movies that are acquired tastes. I mean, well, not really. I mean, No Country for Old well, Men is a yeah, pretty accessible yeah, movie. Yeah. Their earlier stuff was kind of Fargo is also kind of. Here's what's interesting. My my experience with the Coen Brothers. It kind of knew when I knew my taste had changed going to art school. Like after freshman year, I got turned on to Coen Brothers. I watched Fargo. I fucking love it. I go back home for the summer. And I go to my high school buddies I used to hang out with. I'm like, dude, you got to watch this fucking movie. It's brilliant. We sit down. We watch it. It's a long movie. The movie's over. And my buddy turns to me. He goes, that was the most fucking boring thing I ever saw. What the fuck is wrong with you? And I was yeah, like, that was me. Uh, I guess my tastes are a little different now. Maybe. I don't know. I was like, huh. I used to hang out. With, I used to hang out with this dude who went to film school. Like He was a couple years older than me. He was already in college when I was in high school. And he was in like this film school and he would like come and say come over we're gonna watch all these crazy movies and like some of them were like that like he showed me a movie he's like dude this is fucking amazing and i'm like dude this is the most boring stupid piece of shit i've ever seen and um i just didn't get it. i didn't not watch the movies but some of this stuff is pretentious and you have to like really like it asks you to do a lot of work and i i never thought that a movie should do that but in this case because i've seen it so many times and it did impress me this, you know, every time I've seen it, I've always liked it a little bit more. Um, and it wasn't such a slog to watch it the other times. I, I'm going to give this movie a little bit more credit than the other stuff that I thought was just. You're making me do too much work. To I like mean, this movie. I will agree. Coen Brothers movies are borderline pretentious. I can absolutely see how you can come away yeah. watching their movies and saying they're a little pretentious. But there are layers, man. Uh, a couple of other interesting <laughs> tidbits about the movie. It is one of the 700, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, unquote, films preserved for future generations through the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. It's one of 700 movies on the National Film Re- Registry. Uh, there is a spinoff movie on Netflix that finally got made. I haven't watched it. I heard it's not good. It's about Jesus. It's called The Jesus Rolls. So if you want to see more Jesus on Shabbos, yeah, the Cohen. Oh, oh, roll on Shabbos. <laughs> Fuck you. Unless uh, that's great. That's another great line. Uh, so, and initially Roger Ebert didn't hate the movie. He gave it three out of four stars, but he didn't praise it as an all time. Great. In 2010, he puts, gives the movie a perfect four out of four stars. Wow. And it enters his pantheon of great, perfect movies. Uh, the word fuck. Fuck it, man. Said 260 times. There's a lot of in fucks. This, this character says it a lot. Yes, which is one of my favorite things is how many times they swear in this movie. Uh, yeah. And then uh, just to finish up about the legacy of this movie, Anthony, I don't know if you know the impact this movie's had. There is a big Lebowski fest that's been happening since the early 2000s, beginning in 2002. Uh, a lot of people dress up like the big Lebowski. There is a religion. Did you know about this? No, it's called Dudism. You can go to Dudism.com. There's like half a million people in this. Religion. It is hilarious how they describe themselves. Here's the paragraph intro paragraph. At first, it says, just take it easy, mankind. Uh, Dudism, your answer for everything. Come join the slowest growing religion in the world. Dudism, an ancient philosophy that preaches non preachiness, practices as little as possible. And above all, uh, lost my train of thought there. Anyway, if you'd like to find peace on earth and goodwill, man, we'll help you get started right after a little nap. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. You can get ordained as a dudist priest. 
And really, this is my religion. The Church of the Latter-day Dude. I should sign up. I may get ordained. <laughs> you, if you were an actual Dudist, uh, that would be There's the Abide amazing. Guide. Uh, the, dude, this thing blows up in the 2000s. The Dude Abides. I mean, I almost feel like it was ahead of its time a little bit because the stu- like, like the anti-war commentary, we had the Gulf War, but then we go through another uh, uh, 9-11 and the Iraq War, and it kind of becomes even more relevant and 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 with the corporate america thing like it's weird it was like kind of ahead of its time it's still philosophically do you agree with dudism like like honestly or do you think that there should be uh like just going with the flow and just letting the universe bring things to you or you have to have agency and try it is that too much ego oh man imran or me that's a deep question either either of you well, let's hear Imran first. I don't want to. I want to hear his real thoughts, and he usually morphs his opinion based on what everyone else is. All thinking, right. Well, so. look. Initially, <laughs> similar to the dude as the stranger, Sam Elliott's narration also kind of weird as the stranger. But as he says in the beginning, there's a man for every time and place, and he calls him the laziest man ever, possibly the laziest. So that's a lot of my motivation. So I would say out of laziness, yeah, man, just take it easy, man. Take it in. Whatever comes at you, it was willed. It was destiny. You handle it. You move on. Why rock the boat? I don't know. It seems to be. I also just want to stay lit all the time. I don't need the white Russians, but, you know, a little nap here and there. Mind if I do a J? Sure. And the comfortable clothes? Fuck yeah. Who doesn't want to wear that all day? No, you wear you, no socks with shoes, so uh, exactly. Yeah, you're already <laughs> and a, in a way, a you are just taking what the universe is handing you and swimming through this stream of events. Um, sure, you could make a decision, but that requires work. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that he actually believes what he just said there. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't know that he believes that. I think he's just saying that because it's worked out in a movie and. It's got him this far, but I don't think he believes that. <laughs> and uh, I'll leave it at that. I, you got to take the bull by the horns. What are you talking about, Imran? Come on. <laughs> yeah, but like, don't be like Walter, man. Sometimes you just got to take it easy and calm the fuck down. <laughs> Again, I don't think he believes anything he said in the past. I'll, I'll tell you, my uh, my mine is always it's always about balance. Like Mr. Miyagi oh, okay. says, you got to have a go with the flow. Smart. And then every once in a while, you got to fucking do it's It's a balance of the two. Sure. That, that's and, probably correct. And trying to attain that balance is what maybe we're all people trying to do, use. right? Yeah, that's the yeah, best answer. We're all answer. trying to maintain that yeah, balance. That's possibly the best answer. You're right, though. It is a balance at times. Uh, but sometimes you get locked in one way and you're just like, oh, I got to make effort, make this. You just slide into either trying to be a control freak and, uh, or you're trying to just run away from everything. And just I mean, that's the thing with the dude. Wait for life to choose it like for you. Like the story could have ended after he got his ru- a replacement l- rug and left. But then does he get a phone call? How does he get sucked back in? They just he needs a patsy. Well, no, because he gets the replacement rug. And that gets she, stolen. No, no. But she says the mod him, comes and gets it. No, but she also says to him, if he acquires the money, she'll give him 20 or 10 percent of it. Oh, because so now, she's yeah. he never the, gets any of the money, right? Because because she she knows that her dad took the money out of the the charity, or right, whatever. So right. he's like, she's like, you got to help me get that back. The, oh, and Philip Seymour Hoffman also great great performance by him. Like everybody did great. I miss Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, in this movie. Well, no, now you got what's his face, uh, Jesse Clements. Yep, <laughs> we already went over this joke. <laughs> no, joke. Jesse like, Clements. Yeah, I just like saying that. Jesse Plemons looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman ate Matt Damon. 
That's what. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Or yep. yeah, they had a child together. <laughs> but yeah, everybody just even though Buscemi didn't have a lot to say, I love a cast. Yeah, sure. hell of a cast. Where he's like the walrus. It's like I'll, the- I'll throw this one thing out there too. Uh, Julianne Moore, you see her naked oh, for like yeah. a half second. Yeah. I went down a rabbit hole. I'm like Julianne Moore again naked, and I, and I went down a rabbit hole. She gets naked in a lot of in movies. a lot of movies. Actually, yeah, a lot of movies. Holy fuck! She, that's also based on there was another uh, experimental artist who would strap herself in and fly oh, and and paint that way, which I thought was like Jackson Pollock. Yeah, yeah. Jackson Pollock, yes. Or or you think of like those artists that do like the vaginal paintings. You've seen that, right? Like the performance artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit of that in there, but very interesting character. I love the way she talked. Yeah, this ultimately what what does this movie mean? Let's rate it. But tell me what you think. What is the meaning of this movie? Anthony, give me a number. And what does this movie mean to you? Oh man, I mean you're asking me something about a movie I just saw yesterday. That's true. Uh, that that I don't that I other than this conversation wasn't thinking about that deeply. <laughs> um what did I what all I give it? I will say you guys helped raise the score for me from five and a half to oh, six. Okay. That's good. I'll go with six. Okay. I, I will admit that maybe if I watch this movie again, which I don't plan to, but if I did, maybe I'll raise the score even more given this conversation. And now, now the fact that I don't need to necessarily pay attention to the plot so much. Right. I think the plot does rope you in and get you initially hooked, but I could pay attention to other things and maybe appreciate it more. As far as what this movie means, <laughs> I, I think it's it, the movie. There's all sorts of meaning you can interpret from the movie, but I circle back to what I said earlier about him having a kid in that in a weird sort of way, the universe gave him a legacy, which he would have never had. Yeah. Interesting. It, found, it found a purpose in his life that wasn't there when the movie started through a, a bunch of cockamamie things that happened. <laughs> so Nobody you calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. Get the wrong guy, man. Rugs, uh, where, well, how do you feel about this movie? Give me a number and maybe rate it against some other Cohen movies where it lands for you. Cohen Brothers. Uh, as far as uh, the Cohen Brothers movies, I think this is moving slowly to the top of uh, them. I love Fargo, too, yeah. a lot. I love No Country a lot. Um, so it's, 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 it's a juggle between those three all the time. Yeah. What this movie means, is that what you want to know? Uh, I, 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 I feel like... Um, this movie's about ego, and uh, sometimes you have to see uh, exactly what your ego is driving you to do, and um, being aware of that is the first step, and I think that that, I think that the movie quietly asks you that, and um, that I feel that's good. Uh, as far as a rating, I give it an eight. That's fucking interesting, man. I feel like... Uh, there is something more that could have been done. I see with, with the character um, establishing it before he gets. Um, Cause I want to feel like either, cause we don't know. Cause Anthony had this uh, theory that he was a very unhappy person. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if they want to actually divulge whether, you know, how he's ha- if he's happy or not, but I think the movie would probably be better if, it went one way or the other. All right. I think not knowing, I don't think that helps the movie as much. Uh, make up, make the point. Um, but yeah, that's why it's got an eight. I feel like it could have, they could tweak that a little bit more and, uh, it would have been a little bit better, but I, everybody should watch it. If yes. They, a couple of times. What's the point? <laughs> that is the question. 
Uh, dude, I, I, I agree with you. I put it up there in some of my favorite Coen Brothers movies with Fargo. Uh, the more you watch it, I think it's like one of their funniest movies, one of their most quotable movies. Uh, and watching it again was a lot of fun and kind of digging deep was a lot of fun. I'm going to give it an eight uh, overall, but very enjoyable movie. Blake Braden, good pick. Uh, thank you for making Anthony watch another Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> But the dude, the dude abides kind of says it all also at the end where he, you know, he just takes it. It's like, that's it. That's fine. The dude abides. Where's my bowling ball? (laughs) I'm joining dudism. Okay, let's get uh, let's do some news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. All right. Well, listener, if you missed our last show, we did a really awesome sci-fi movie draft. Our first movie draft. It was a lot of fun. Gerald Morris joined us from Two Peas on a Podcast. And uh, we put it out to uh, the nation and our social media. It's a little chart. You can vote on who has the best team of movies. I have sort of tallied up some of the votes. I'm going to share some of the comments. Some of them. What do you mean tallied all of, some of okay, them? All of them that I found so far. You son of a bitch. Oh, only the ones that vote for him. I tallied is the up ones the votes for him. But before we even get to that, this is probably, okay. this that episode probably uh, created more controversy and debate than any of our other episodes, and it's fucking fantastic. Uh, where do we want to start? It all started with the great Jaws debate of twenty. Yeah, when you trying to fucking cheat and sneak in Jaws. Well, I had some <laughs> defenders, namely Seth Morgan, pointed out he's just he's just trying to get us to argue. He is, but he pointed out on Google, if you Google is the movie's Jaws considered a sci-fi movie from filmsite.org, it says very plainly Jaws is a masterful, visceral, and realistic science fiction suspense horror disaster film. There is also a review. Uh, by uh, a dude named Vincent Canby from the New York Times archive. Well, he can be wrong. So This uh, review is sorry. from 1975. Paragraph four starts, Jaws is at heart the old standby, a science fiction film. It opens according to the time-honored tradition with a happy-go-lucky innocent being suddenly ravaged by the mad monster, which in Jaws comes from the depths of inner space, the sea, as well as man's nightmares. Therefore, Jaws follows the formula with fidelity. So you can argue, and they have been debating. We got Adam Morris, our official science advisor of the Jock and Nerd podcast, involved. I thought this debate was amazing. <laughs> Comment on the debate. Did it change anybody's opinion? I don't know. I, I, no. I didn't think so. I, I thought about what sci-fi is a little more, and I've come up with a couple things. I think it has to involve some sort of for lack of a better term, weird science. Weird science. Or space or the future or technology. So here, I'm going to, I'm just going to kill. Those are like the four things I thought of when you think of. You're right. So you're right. I was ready to come in here all gung-ho with the ammunition. Seth Morgan provided links to things going, well, it's also a sci-fi movie. It should have been blah, blah, blah. But I'm now, and I know that's what he wanted. But I'm now just going to completely blow my case by reading the definition of science fiction. Okay, what is it? Science fiction is defined as fiction based on 
Imagine the future scientific or technological advances and major mm. social or environmental changes frequently portraying space or time travel and life mm. on other planets. There you go. But I would think maybe the environmental changes could that's where Josh could fit in. It's a stretch. Well, like the whole thing is that the movie Jaws is based on attacks that actually took place on Long Island of when a uh, shark got, got too sure, far north. Sure. And they just said, okay, let's make it a bigger shark. But they didn't make it big enough to where it was like completely like uh, or had special powers. Yeah, but isn't right. the shark deliberately like hunting the same people? Yeah, but so does the Ghost in the Darkness uh, when yeah. the movie about lions. There's so many Things where they make it's a horror film. Sure. All right. So a horror film, like a person doesn't really like come, you know, come back from the dead. And but that's not science fiction. Ghosts don't, ex- you know, ghosts don't na- or, or supernatural things because they're otherworldly don't automatically slide into horror. Uh, horror doesn't automatically slide into sci fi. Sometimes they will overlap. But like I couldn't say like, uh, you know, it is science fiction. No, it's yeah, not. Right. Right. So if something's not acting normal, you could attribute it to the horror that not science. It's not a science. Ba- like if if they if they created Jaws or the shark, sure, if, okay, whatever the fuck, sure. if they yeah, if they created it in a lab, they tested like on them or Deep, something. Yeah. Deep Blue Sea is is a sci fi right. shark. The Meg movie. is different, obviously. Right. Then that's science yeah, the fiction. Meg is a different. It's like a gigantic, you know. A dinosaur that's like it, it, it's like a Godzilla. It's like sure. at that point, it's, it's a Jurassic kaiju. Park. It's a water Jurassic. Like okay, so let's say you have a wolf that's hunting people, yeah. like in pre, in the gray. Yeah. You take that wolf, that same wolf, and you make it thirty feet tall. Right now, you got maybe a, and you there's a reason. Like there's some ooze that gets on. You it. give it guns or something. N- not not <laughs> you yeah. got a sci-fi film. Look, I get it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't pick the film. It was argued off. I picked something else. However, <laughs> Anthony, there's another movie on here that maybe uh, yeah. is uh, bring, uh, a questionable that actually made well, it. Well, for me, questionable. And I, I think some people agree with me. But uh, I thought more about your Matrix pick. and um, That's not the one I was talking about. Well, I'm, I'm talking about that. Okay. What are you talking about? You have a beef. I'm talking about Gerald's action pick. Now we can talk about that too. Okay, you're my got a couple. My mindfuck category pick was the Matrix. The Matrix, and and the more I thought about the Matrix, I'm like, is this really a mindfuck movie? And here's why I'm saying that. They tell you the premise within the first twenty minutes. It, the 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 whole movie is based on this premise that they explain to you explicitly right away. Yeah. So how mindfucky is it really? I suppose I could see that argument, but uh, I don't think it has to completely confuse you to be a mindfuck. Movie. No, not necessarily confuse I you, just, but uh, let me just let me just say, and then you can step in. I think mindfuck movies have to like make you think a little bit more, or like they often have like a twist ending, or they pull the rug out. Yeah, and it's all yeah. yeah. Like someone put in uh, what's his name, Chev, which I agree with, and yeah. you guys shut me down a couple weeks ago. But the original Planet of the Apes is a mindfuck movie. In my I, with that end re- twist ending, it 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 I could that makes sense. Yeah, it kind of is. So that's just my two cents. Go ahead, Rugs. <laughs> I I think that a mindfuck movie has many vehicles to getting there. Sure, right. So you could have mindfuck where it's just like the plot is so 
complex, you can't figure out what's going on. Like yes. tenant. All right. Tenant, yep. All right. So, the, so yeah, like so there's, but then there's things that are like, uh, like interstellar or, or inception where everything's so messing with your perception of what's happening mm-hmm. that it's not the fact that it's convoluted or complex. It's just that you don't know if you're in reality or so not. That's why I thought it fell into mindfuck category. The one thing was that the movie made makes you think, are you plugged makes you in question reality? Yes, are yes. you plugged into a thing right now and not experiencing actual reality? And then there's another vehicles where you have a twist that sure. kind of unravels everything. So I don't think it's just one way to be a mindfuck movie. I think that at the end of the day, like, What's that movie with Jared Leto? I forget, I forgot the name of it off the top of my head. And, and uh, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, Requiem for film. a Dream. Yeah, Requiem for like, a Dream. Like that movie, it's there, there's no plot that's mindfuck. It's that they're on drugs all the time, right? And it fucks with your per, like perception, and you don't know sure. what's real sure. if he's crazy. What? So like, it doesn't have to be sci-fi to be a mindfuck movie. No, either. no, not at it all. Can, not at all. That, right. So, that's right. just one of the. That was the subgenre. Yeah. So I, I think that Matrix does fall into it because it not only do you question your perception during the movie, but after the movie's over, you're still questioning your perception. See, mm-hmm. like, so, I mean, like see, here, here's my only thing on Matrix. Yeah. The other thing I have is I don't feel like they're actually doing that. I think they they make you question the, what's going on within the first 20 minutes, but then the rest of the movie is just set in that universe. But it makes you question your own reality. So fuck with my mind. I don't think I don't think they're talking about that. I think they're just setting that using that as the premise. No, no. As a viewer, it, no, I know. But I'm saying yeah. as a viewer, I don't think there's they're obsessed with you questioning the reality. I think they're using that reality as the setting for the movie as kind of a gimmick. Yeah, as a as the gimmick yeah. of the movie. But that's not real. The movie is really about the one Neo saving them. But, if, from, but I, I, I'll make the argument that if it was that concise and, and easy to figure out when you go into the Matrix Revolutions, you're looking for clues all over the place all the whole time. You're looking for meaning the whole time to to kind of add more to the story and whatever. So you are actively trying to as- assemble some kind of reality that you could understand. And then finally, when you get to the architect, then it's thrown out and they use that kind of technique where they flip everything on its head. Mm-hmm. So like the whole entire ethos of that, these films is for you to ask the question, what is the matrix? Is it better to be in the matrix? Is it a philosophical question? Like the cipher want to go back to the matrix because is it better than being a slave in real life or being in this world that sucks? Is it better to, to be asleep or be right, woke, to not be know awake. or to be yeah. So I do think it. I do think it does ask so many philosophical questions, and I do think that you leave the movie questioning a lot of things. And I think that it there is movies that confuse you and kind of manipulate you, like like an M Night Shyamalan movie, where all of a sudden you're like find out oh he's he's been dead the whole time. Right. Spoilers. But, but uh, <laughs> this one does it differently. This one kind of gives it away mid movie. But then at the end of the day, you're like asking yourselves all these questions. Like, what's better? Is it better to be in the matrix? Or do we even know if anything's true that we learned? Is it like, why did, why did the Oracle know all this stuff? Is he really the one, like all these things that we think that we know what's going to happen? It leaves you with so much, like asking so many questions at the end of the movie. So 
I do think it does qualify. I mean, you could make an argument against it, and that's fine. Uh, I don't, I don't begrudge that. But I, for me, anyway, my reaction was it was like fucking my mind. You guys outvoted me, so it doesn't matter. Right, it's in. Let's talk about (laughs) Gerald's action pick, Anthony. You have a problem with Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. That one, I also, I, I didn't occur to me at the time, and then I was like. Is this in the ex- essence of an... I guess we should have defined it. Yeah, we didn't establish... Is this in the essence of an action sci-fi film? Well, we, didn't, we should have established, are we just doing live action movies? Right. Or does animated count? And nobody said anything, and it made it in, kind because of. Because if you just look at that movie, yes, it is an action animated movie, but it's not the same DNA as the other action movies. Yeah, well, nobody said anything, nobody and said anything. Uh, we just so that's glossed over it. But I kind of see where you're coming from, though. But we just there might have been, they maybe should have been an animated category. Well, yes. So in the future, we need to decide live action or is there an animation category, which is actually a great idea for some of the future ones. Yeah, because that you, one I also had a little I, bit. I of think like, it's just I think it's a strange pick, but I mean, if you want to force it into a category, you. Has action in it. On the other hand, Daryl Daryl K just posted in our Facebook group hot take uh, on Twitter. Do you think Avatar: Way of the Water is an animated movie? That's a whole other discussion. No, I can see where they're coming from. I'm going to see where he's going. No, because they filmed real people. They made real fucking props and used it to model things. That's live action aspect is there. So no. Anyway, so I get get where he's going with that, but that's like so. Look, that's like that's like saying. uh, that's like saying uh, people that game for a professional, that video gamers are athletes. But they are. Semantics. They train. No, they're not. not. they got to have the same fucking fast twitch muscle you, in their you, thumbs. You, you can use the, you can use the they definition. they got to use the same team building and strategy. And this is all this, is all this. You can go by the book or you can look at <laughs> the eye test and see. Okay, so here, we've come to the votes. Uh, right, so far, votes. after one week, I have tallied votes from our Twitter, from our Instagram messages, from our Facebook group, and from our Facebook page. I'll share some of these comments. You may have seen some of them. You may not have. But here is the final tally, I think. Because some people were like, I think this person and this person. Some people didn't really pick, but they said mentioned a person. So, Anthony, currently, you have three votes. <laughs> I know, I'm last. Rug Boy, you have six votes. Oh. Myself has Cheater. four votes okay gerald leading the pack seven votes oh gerald wow. gerald may come in and steal this whole thing i which think is when he was winning when yeah. he said jurassic park i was like oh that's one of the strongest like because like every that's a that's an all-timer a lot of people yeah. liked his wild card and then when he said the thing i was like oh i'm in the trouble thing got a lot of because people. that was like that was like uh yeah that was like a we slept on that we did not yeah wow well what i learned from this one if if and when we do this again is i got to play to the people a little more well i also i went i went a little to my own personal favorite stuff Uh, right and i think i got to play to the crowd a little bit. you know what's funny is i thought i fucked up the whole thing and that my strategy was completely wrong and afterwards i was like oh man i didn't really focus on like the team because I'd never done an NFL draft, right? I was like, I don't know. I was just, I was just picking movies that I love that, that I guess I kind of did pick like big fan favorite. I don't know. So for me to come up like second so far was a surprise. You're not second. You just said you were fourth. Oh, I'm third. Rugby. Sorry. For me not to be last is surprising. <laughs> uh, but I was surprised I got that many votes. But thank you to everyone. Does anybody want to know who voted for them or some of the comments? 
Yeah, let's just throw a couple comments here. So here's some, I know I kind of know who voted for me. Yeah, Go ahead. but there's some you may not have seen these on Twitter. We got some comments. One from Ch- at Chance Whitmore five. Uh, oh. He says so many of my favorite different teams, but Gerald pulled it out with his wild card pick. The uh, thing, uh, the thing, the thing. Uh, at Media Path Pod, the Media Path Podcast said Anthony without a single solitary doubt, hundred percent. Yeah, that was. That yeah. was Wow, that's a big. I, I, big whenever ups. someone reacted against me, I threw in the angry. I saw emoji it. There's a lot of anger yeah. emojis on the Facebook group, but that one coming from Twitter, that's one of your votes, hey. Anthony, right there. Thank you, Media Path Podcast. On Instagram, Brian Goff, who runs the Parks and Recs memes Instagram account, messaged me saying, "Hey guys, love the sci-fi draft. Tough call on the winning team, but I think I'll go with Rug Boy. Fury Road in the last round was the steal of the draft. How did no one mention ET? Looking forward to the next draft." E.T., I had kind of, I think I had that on my wild card list. It was, it was there. I, I have one regret, yeah. one real regret. I, for my wild card pick, I like Robocop a lot, but in my heart of hearts, I should have picked Avengers Endgame. Oh, I just, man. For, I totally forgot. It's funny how, like, none movies. of the MCU movies made it on there and they're completely, uh, they're all, they're el- all mostly eligible. Sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blake Braden, Glenn Smith, Lisa Morrison all voted for Gerald. Jess Rivera voted for me. Daryl K votes for Rug Boy. John Campbell votes for Rug Boy. Uh, Austin Lee Jones says hard choice, but got to say Mr. Two Peas. He voted for Gerald. Seth Morgan voted for me. Uh, of course. Of course. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> I mean, he tried to help with the Jaws debate. Seth Morgan and what's his name? Justin Zwerner had to vote. Justin Zwerner right? put all hail Imran. So those are two of my <laughs> votes. Rodney Simon says thanks to the crew for not allowing Jaws. What was Imran trying to pull there? <laughs> uh, uh, Adam Morris uh, votes for Gerald. John Bellotti is your other vote, Anthony. Yes. Uh, I love that he shit all over you. He was like, I knew when he picked Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong, he hadn't done his research. Hey, it got me four votes. Uh, <laughs> that would look honestly. That probably was like my hardest category. Anyway. Uh, my biggest regret is I didn't put Pacific Rim in, but the yeah. host is actually a really good. Yeah, the host got people. Some, someone, someone picked you because of the host, Rick Martinez. Yeah. Oh, hold yeah. on, I'll Rick get, Martinez, I'll get there. Right? No, no, Wes Cranford uh, picked uh, Rug Boy. Uh, Wes, Rick Martinez votes for Anthony. Oh, yeah, uh, and uh, Joe Henry said Rug Boy Imran are the two to beat, and Jose mm-hmm. Ibarra it picked Rug Boy. His pick of the host is what sets this list there apart. For everyone else. So, everybody, thanks for voting. Let's get more votes in. Again, there's a post on our Twitter, our Facebook page, or Instagram. If you have not voted, you want to sway this one way or the other, the chart is there. Let, let me let me throw something else out to the nation. Maybe you can post it as a question after we're done okay. with the show, Imran, okay. after you post it. But I'd be curious to see what they want us to do next for a draft. Yes. You need genre ideas. What genre, genre or, or you could do years, yep. or if you come up with something else. Yep. I thought this was a lot of fun, and it sparked a lot of debate. And now that we all have one under our belts, I think we'll be a bit more strategic in what we're doing. Oh, my God. I want to do another one so badly. After doing one, like just figuring out the strategy, I was like, okay, I need a fucking another one uh, to test things out. But that was that was a lot of fun. I can't wait for our next one. Okay, let's now. Yeah, I know. I know now I'm going to have to sell myself out a little bit more. Uh, you got to be a whore a little bit. Yeah. yeah. People, yeah. Yeah, people are voting. That's how. Politicians I, I think work. what doomed me is picking Godzilla, Annihilation, and having King Kong all in my in there. I think that's too much. Too much insider for me. That's that's just my thought. I, don't I know thought Annihilation. Is. You were playing to the crowd there. I don't think that many people have seen it. No. Oh. I think you guys had way better mindfuck picks in terms of like the crowd. Right. Yeah, it, it's very interesting how it played out. I love it. 
I love it. Gerald is winning. He could easily steal this. I also love bringing like a fourth, one of our fourths uh, in because it does yeah. add, right? Like imagine Adds a little spice. Yeah. yeah. Delhauer, Bilotti, anybody else want to jump in? Like, I love having that fourth person there to throw, to mess things up. Uh, lots of fun. Okay. Let's finish up with what are we watching? And oh God, I hope you guys are caught up on The Last of Us. Yeah. Every, yes, Anthony? The uh, The Last of Us is appointment viewing for me so yes oh, shit. i caught up so it, it's caught one of the first shows oh, shit. Oh, my since God. house of the dragon one of the first since house of the dragon that's not very long but since house of the dragon this is the first show where i'm like no i have to watch that one holy comes out. shit i kind of wish we were doing this weekly but look we can quickly talk about episodes two and three because oh my Just lord let's talk about it as a collective i mean i don't know where to start this has been some of the best fucking tv i've seen in a long time holy shit what two amazing great episodes i love how the first two episodes are very tense there's loss there's uh there's a lot of action there's stakes and then episode three extended actually becomes kind of hopeful and and gives you a chance to breathe and usually i hate when they slow things down like that but holy shit, what they did in episode three reminded me of the beginning of the movie Up, and I was emotional, and it fucking got me. And apparently, I know, I know, playing this game, this is a huge deviation from the game, but I'm not mad at it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Rugs, go ahead first. Or go ahead second. Oh, first of all, I. Wait, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, yeah. In case we say anything. I'm going to try not to say anything, but like, try uh, to keep it spoiling it away. You. But uh, yeah, they kind of like told this very sweet uh, story uh, of a situation that happens where people actually find some kind of happiness in this crazy situ- uh, world where you know they're there's this uh, what is it called? Post-apocalyptic the, world. Post. What's it? Uh, what's the name cordyceps. of the fucking post cordyceps? The cordyceps. Yeah, the cordyceps fungus has like turned people into fucking, I guess, zombies. And um, it's a, it was like a kind of a bittersweet uh, moment, and uh, it was very beautifully done. Yeah, so uh, there you have it. I mean, it was. I, I mean, it definitely shifts the tone of the show a little bit, but at the same time, um, it was all performed and executed oh my God. very Nick well. Nick Offerman and the other guy, fucking amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I. I'm loving it so far. I mean, the first three episodes are are fantastic. You're right. The third episode is a departure from the game. I that's not in the game no. for sure. Yeah, um, it's very different. By the end of that, I was like, "Wow, that's that's a very emotional, heavy episode for sure." Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, everything so far has been executed really well. The first two episodes um, are more close to the game. There's obviously some changes in the third episode. They confirm one of the changes, yeah, and then you know go on that, go on this thing with the, with the, what you're referring to the happiness and in a way, kind of in a roundabout way, explain how Joel is going to get all the weapons he has, which isn't something in the game you kind of come across weapons. Yeah, you just pick up guns and stuff here. But and there. it's always one of those things where even in Last of Us, which is perfectly executed, like you can like switch guns really quickly, and you like it's like. How is that realistic? He that carries have a lot of things and <laughs> yeah. assembles a lot of things right. in that little backpack. In so the this this one, at least they're giving a reason for why he might have access to all the guns. Yeah. But um, yeah, I thought that was it was a beautiful episode. 
The show so far has been great. It's the best show I've seen since House of the Dragon. So HBO is on a, on a nice run here with these two. Man. And um, it's whenever I mention Last of Us casually to people, most people know about it. So it seems like it's, I haven't looked at ratings or anything, but it seems like it's permeating throughout general culture right now and absolutely everybody a lot of people talk about this it's It's very growing more people i think it's going to get people to play the game also i love how it works season two is already renewed yes it has been renewed for a season two my question is still are you doing the second game which is years later ellie's like a lot older or are you going to fill it in between because you get you have bella ramsey and like you can't recast her i think she's great I think what I read is the second game, they'll spread that out over two seasons. But does he do that next? And then we'll see. It could be. Well, that's, big, yeah. that's, big time that's what jump. I'm hearing. Yeah. No, the second game I read is pretty controversial. Oh. I watched a deep dive video on Screen Crush about it. Yeah. And I actually like it. Oh. I like the way they went wow. in that game. Okay. Because without spoiling anything, it makes you feel something for the characters. It, it puts you in a situation where you actually feel something for like villains and heroes. It's just like, it really puts you in a weird, almost like a mind fucky kind of place. <laughs> oh, it's very mind fuck. Is it? Yeah. I, uh, I loved, uh, in the second, the be the intro of the second episode where, you know, they mentioned Jakarta in that first episode we talked about, but then you see the Jakarta you see incident. Boobs. You see some boobs. You see, <laughs> they go get this science lady and she goes in and pulls these fucking tendrils out. It's amazing when she takes them out and they start moving and she freaks out. And then later when they're like, is there any medicine vaccine? She goes, there's no medicine. She's like, what? They're like, what do we do? She just goes, bomb, bomb, bomb everything. Gotta bomb the shit bomb out of everything. Everywhere. I was like, holy fuck. But they reveal about uh, how the virus spreads. Yes. In the and there, third there episode, is hints. I don't, I don't know. Which is kind of brilliant. Yeah. yeah. They, it's not hints. They tell you. They, well, there's hints in like the first episode, oh, the second right, episode, right, right. and then they clear out. We won't spoil it until we review the whole show. Well, the the one of the creators confirmed the fan theory that like they just barely missed getting the virus in that first episode. Oh, the main characters. Oh, oh did you man. notice? Yeah. Um, I mean, they, mild spoilers. Yeah, but I played this. Like he right. doesn't eat. There's they don't have pancakes. She doesn't eat the cookies. Oh, like there's all these opportunities where they could have gotten infected, but they didn't because they just they bo- avoided the the bread ish flower type place thing spoiler spoilers it's in the flower which makes a lot of sense or the sugar they're not sure uh well it makes it makes sense that like it would spread that quickly like and you think about like the grandma who probably had like flour pancakes or sugar in that that morning and the right. rate of where he's like in one day it was i was like holy shit and one day it was over i was like oh my god well because it, it was it, and it's like flour right so yeah. like it's in a, a lot of flowers and a lot of things you know what else is in a lot of things what's real fucking the cordyceps fungus it's in a lot of health supplements it's a mushroom oh, that's a real fungus huh yeah it's a real huh. thing and a lot of supplements that use mushrooms or those kind of fungal things it says you can read in the ingredients fucking cordyceps mm. it's a real thing i guess it just it doesn't mutate it has not mutated in real life obviously or will clearly but it is a real fucking thing which is what makes this so great that it's that close to reality but yeah dude fuck oh man that the third episode i was i was near fucking tears i was it was just like the beginning of Up, it pulls at your heartstrings, and I was like, wow, they did this whole thing just for it to end up like that. That's crazy. Uh, great performances, but I don't want to spoil anymore. We will review when the whole thing's over, but we will discuss as it goes on. Any other comments about Last of Us? Now, the, the question is, 
is this episode integral to 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 the overall story? Because yeah, because uh, the two leads are not in it a lot, right? But you do get to learn a lot more about them because they're just hanging out, right? But you, they do end up getting something out of it, yeah, right? Get what they need, yeah. So, but all this happens before they get there. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say. We, you know, it's only we don't know how the story's going to play out, but uh, yeah. At this oh, point, we don't this know is, exactly. Okay, this is was one of my feelings. Again, spoiler, spoiler. The last shot is in the window. It's pulling in from inside, looking out of the window, pulling back in the bedroom. I think one person may not, may still be alive. Oh, you think? Because they didn't show you. And they're just hanging they didn't out. They show you. In there. Maybe the amounts were off. They didn't show you any bodies. Oh, yeah, but dead. what would you be doing? Uh, but like to yeah. hire someone of that in that role and that's so integral to the game, and then maybe I don't know, maybe a flashback, maybe because you did see Tess in the flashback. But I was like, maybe one of them's uh, still alive. Maybe it was sneaky. No, the way I don't they, think they're dead. No? I don't think they're still alive. If that would okay, that would be a good reason to then have this episode, right? Then, then like, it would uh, make sense. Like you don't expect it, and yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, we're a third of the way through the show already. So, mm. yeah, only six weeks left. Yeah, the first episode I've also read, they, they combined two episodes and made that one a little bit longer. So that's why it's not 10, it's mm. nine, which I think was smart because uh, you needed that first episode to hit like that. All right. I can't. I mean, the fucking show is great. Drink up all the cordyceps, people. Didn't protein though. <laughs> Get swole. Uh, that's it for this week, Rugs. Where can the people find you online? You can find me at Twitter, really Rugboy. So come by and follow, please. Again, all the links to our socials are in the show description on our website. And if you want, you haven't voted on the movie sci-fi draft movie show, you can vote there. Go back and listen if you haven't listened. It's a great listen. Send us your votes. I will try to keep track and keep tallying the votes as we go. Jockandnerd.com is the website. The most important thing, though, listener. Share this show with your fellow geek friends, your movie lovers, your comic book friends. Spread the geekery. Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. We'll peep you next time. My balls was hot. Oh, that's old. And you, sir, are you waiting to receive my limp penis? Oh, it's like the episode we just watched. Jock and Nerd. <laughs>